0: Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us as a guest we have Jay. Hello, Earthlings. We have Mike. Hi. We have Curtis. Yes, you do. We also have Ross. How's it going? And the man who's keeping us all together, CBS. Uh. and,
1: and Rob. Hi. All right, that's Rob. Uh, all right, so today we're gonna do uh, all new Invaders number one and Guardians of the Galaxy number uh, twenty. Or sorry, number eleven. Point now, the new number one. Batman and Robin Annual number two. Batman number twenty seven and deadly class number one. Feeling right there, Rob? Mm-hmm. Alright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to start with All New Invaders, number one. And uh, if you've read this book, the beginning of it's kinda might seem like you don't know what the hell's going on. There's a little itty bitty piece that they put inside, the point one book, which has like five or six other stories, but it kinda gives you a lead into the big badge you meet in this book. I don't necessarily know if you had to have it or not but it definitely made more sense if you read it
0: yeah it felt like a more complete story for me I read the all new invaders before I did the point one and I kind of felt like there was a piece of it that was missing so I kind of felt it was important to read that other one I don't know if anybody else
2: Mm-mm.
0: felt that way but you mm. read the point Point? yeah that but I didn't think there's... I needed to
2: no you didn't think so
3: Mike I haven't read it yet the yeah. point one
0: well, did you feel lost? Did you feel like you were missing something? Mm,
3: not necessarily. I mean, so maybe a little bit. I mean, just the, the reasons why.
0: But it is it is
2: outlined in the point one.
0: So. Yeah, basically the stuff in the point one is um, we get to find out from the Cree why they're sending this Inquisitor to Earth. Pursuer. That, there you go. And that she's going to be connected to the original Human Torch, Bucky, and, or I'm sorry, the Winter Soldier, and Submariner. That's why those guys are all the ones that are picked out. And we also see that Hell, or Helena, I think it is, from Hell. Hella. Hella. Hella from the Thor storyline is going to be involved with it. But either way, we pretty much open this up to, um, Kind of some beautiful desert landscapes. And we get to see Cree soldiers. And I mean, how cool is it to see that, uh, by the way? I, mean, I love the Cree. Just off to the side, because I mean, how. It's been a long time since we've seen the Cree soldiers do anything, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, probably War of Kings. Well, no, they had
2: some in uh, Fantastic Four
0: a while back, but they, yeah. didn't,
2: they didn't do anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that they weren't a bigger element in um, Infinity. Infinity. Because I didn't see them in there very much either. Hmm. So, but um, they've managed to take down one of the Shi'ar, kind of like super guard. And I can't ever remember his name, because he's he basically looks like a werewolf.
2: Yeah, I can't remember. Anything. He's the one
0: who was killed by Wolverine forever ago, and like Wolverine was wearing his weird teeth costume.
1: Right. Same so mm-hmm. tooth wore that costume too. Yeah. How do? We? Yeah, in, uh, in the. Uh... The first time X-23 shows up, back in the uh, Evolution cartoon, yeah, she, she she's wore it. wearing that one, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she wore it very briefly in the Revo Comics series, too. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. But um, evidently, the which I never knew this for a long, long time, but I guess the Imperial Guard, when one dies, it's replaced with another member that's got a similar ability.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there's like a whole shrine to the Fallen Guard. So I guess this is all... Another member in a long line of guys that look like werewolves. Right. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we learned out from the Shi'ar, or I'm sorry, from the the Kree soldiers that are here, that they're the ones who killed him, and that they're looking for some kind of item. And they eventually find it. And to me, it always looked like some kind of weird jetpack. And I guess it's a a piece of some bigger device. Now, if you read the point one, you already know that it's the God Whisper device, and evidently, it was created by the Kree millions of years ago it just been lost and eventually it wound up on Earth which is kind of the bane of the Kree's existence because they're like everything turns up on Earth or like the bad penny planet
2: thinner of the universe. And
0: evidently it was lost by Namor? Well, it was originally lost by the Kree right. forever ago. But Namor had it. Namor had part of it. Right. The Human Torch and then Bucky ones up being a part of that. Right. Um, but they the Human Torch and, and Namor were able to break the pieces down, because evidently it was a fool. It was the Fool
1: God Whisperer. Whenever they found it, but yeah, between Toro and uh, and Namor, they managed to split it into three pieces. So each of the invaders took a piece. Was
3: this uh, ever covered in a previous story at all? Or?
0: I don't think so. I think this is all like in between the pages of history. Um, one of the things that they've been really sneaky about as they've built out the history of Captain America is that a good deal of what was originally printed as Captain America history they've kind of decided is more propaganda than reality. And so they've been able to go back to the World War II stuff and been like, well, this is the story we told the world and this is what really happened. So, I, I don't know if this is actually... I don't know if... Uh, well, we'll get to it here in a minute. Either way, so... Storyline's going to be based around the Winter Soldier, the Human Torch, Sun Mariner. The Kree retrieve whatever their little piece is and are ready to go on to the next piece of
4: this God God Whisperer.
0: And um, we're still seeing some of these Kree members are old enough that they remember the Kree-Shiar War on Earth. Which, if you remember that, good job. You're doing good. (laughs) That was like early 80s. It was awesome.
5: That's
0: yeah. what it was. The kree Shiar War. war. Oh, well, the Cree Skrull War. Skrull War. <laughs> Not Shi'ar.
3: Yeah. They, they haven't been at war with the Shi'ar?
0: Well, the Cree has, but... That was an actual storyline. It, it wasn't on Earth. We actually had a full-blown war on Earth with the Cree and the Skrull a while back. Like in the 70s. <laughs> yeah,
2: that was like Chris Claremont or something.
0: I think it was Chris Grown. Yeah. Late seventies, early eighties. <clears throat> it was pretty awesome. That's been a while. Since then the Shear really or the I'm sorry, the Kree really hasn't had a whole big deal on Earth. The Skrulls still do. But yeah, the the Kree and the Shiar wars are much later on, They're like in the War of Kings, somewhere in the late two thousands. Either way Um The next part of our book kind of starts off in um, Bankland, Louisiana, USA. So it's just like this little tiny town, and that's where we find uh, Jim Hammond, which is the original Human Torch for those playing at home. But uh, he's working as a he's working as a mechanic, and um, you know his boss doesn't realize that he's. Machine. Who he is. Doesn't, doesn't know he's a machine at he's all. He's a man Borg. And so he's, you know, <laughs> like <it>. a man <laughs> Borg. <laughs> and so he, he's trying to treat him like uh, like everybody else and wants to make sure he takes his breaks and stuff. And Jim is all about working on these cars. You had that planned, didn't you? No. <sighs> a good deal of, um, of how the story's told is through his perception. And so it's him wanting to have a smaller life, having a slower life, and him kind of wanting to get away from all the craziness that's happened in the last year in the Secret Avengers. With the whole synthesized humanity. And I have no idea about that stuff. Man, I thought of everybody you would know because hmm. you were all about the Black Ant. Yeah, but not this. Oh, wait. That was the prior.
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's know, what I, this is all about. Okay, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about the
0: Now series. No. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board. All right, so to I'm clear this board. up for those who didn't know, there winds up being a whole uh, race of synthetic life forms that feel like it's their time to be seen as their own life forms. And they kind of think that the Human Torch, or at least the original Human Torch, is like their grandfather, like their god. And so he <laughs> should be the first... As a part of their new race. And so they're going to try to violently take their position in humanity. And so they, they kind of brought together all of the AI life forms and are going to make a big play at, at humanity. In the end, that doesn't work out so well <laughs> because they didn't really have very altruistic ideals. And I think the Human Torch wound up actually
1: burning most of them. Yeah, that's basically what he's talking about when he's having the inner monologue. He decided for humanity's sake he would just, I don't know, kill all of them. Good job, guy. Well, they were kind of bad news. Well, they, were, they were. They were bad. But, um
0: yeah, there was a lot of stuff that happened in that. If you weren't reading the Secret Avengers that actually started the Secret Avengers, so I guess the Volume 1, volume one yeah. Secret Avengers stuff, it's about halfway through. The story starts around 22, where they put Hawkeye in charge, and it is phenomenal. But that whole Secret Avengers was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that that just got eclipsed by the uh, the horror world they went to, where Thor was a mummy. and
0: <laughs> yes, that was Wolverine, yeah. was, a, Wolverine was, was a vampire, vampire. and uh, Punisher was a werewolf. No, Captain America was a werewolf. Oh, Captain America was a werewolf. Punisher yeah. was like Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, he was. Zimmerman? And Hawkeye had a huh? hawkhead. Uh, Secret, Secret Avengers, Avengers. of the first volume. Oh, really? It was pretty cool. Yeah. It's like a whole world of the undead. Mm-hmm. Who that wrote awesome? that?
3: Like, wasn't that like Warren Ellis or something? Or no, what? I
2: think Mateo, Mateo Scalero, he, he drew it, but I don't remember who wrote it. The like covers, weren't the covers? Uh, Art, Adams. Art, Adams. Art Adams, yeah. yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It's one of my all-time favorites. How old was that? Like, it was last year, last two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. three years ago? It was just
0: before all the Marvel stuff. Now stuff.
1: So it was the previous volume of New Avengers. It was only
0: two issues, but it or was Secret Avengers.
1: Excuse me, Secret, Secret Avengers. Avengers. It was it was a whirlwind of fun. Oh, mm-hmm.
3: that's the one that uh, Shang Chi is involved in. Oh uh, yeah. Se- yeah, Secret
0: okay. Avengers was twelve kinds of cool. Mm-hmm. It just... and
3: that's the one you were telling me that Luke Cage.
0: No, that's uh, that was the new New Avengers. Um, what's that mean, Mike?
2: Uh, well,
3: Haunted. He... Uh, uh, what's her name?
2: Oh,
0: and gre- the he Greets Electra.
3: In the Nethers, in the meat curtain, did you see that?
0: <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, she goes to stab him, and uh, he's like, "I got unbreakable bones," but I got a message
1: uh, from Matt for you, and he.
0: I remember
2: that. And he kicks
1: her. <clears throat> that's 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 right prior to the what launches the squirrel invasion. Yeah, actually, uh,
0: so but that was that was the New Avengers of all things to start it. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't that was that the fantastic?
2: same? Oh no, that was Mighty. We're... Uh, Luke Cage picks up that uh, semi and just starts walking with it. Oh, it might have
0: been been mighty. I think it was
2: mighty. I think he was getting shot at while he was doing it, and just kept walking. It was (laughs) pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they've done a lot with Luke Cage. Luke Mm -hmm. Cage has come a long ways from the 90s, where they tried to revamp him as Mike Tyson. (laughs) (laughs) He's
2: he's one of my favorites.
0: He's, He's a cool character. He is. It took him a long time to be there, but...
2: Or that Tyson guy from... No, mind. Let's keep going with this, because we're not All right, even close.
0: anyways. So he's kind of living the small town life, and he knows everybody in town, and everybody knows him as a mechanic and, like, values him in the town. And he's kind of like, I'm going to stay around here for a little while, and then I'm going to move on, because I want to have a small life. And uh, he kind of goes about his daily routine of going to the cafe and getting his pie and his coffee and having, like, a bite and leaving... And then uh, going back to the shop, when he gets there, he thinks that the boss is kind of playing a game on him because he couldn't find him earlier. So he's looking for him, and uh, when he turns around the corner, he comes running into the Pursuer. Tanelith the, the pursuer. pursuer. Yeah, and she's killed this boss. And so he kind of flies into a rage and just immediately flames on. Uh, is that an original suit? He's wearing no they remade his suit it looks cool although it kind of looks like marble man it still looks cool you see i i was not a fan really of the suit yeah
2: well, that's fiery
0: it's funny to me because like the original suit was about the most plain jane thing you could possibly get it was red with yellow stripes mm-hmm. and somehow to me they messed it up and made it look <laughs> worse <laughs>
1: It didn't look that bad. It, it it's, still,
0: it's still pretty much the same. It's just the way the yellow is, I just I don't like it. But that's cool. I'm, I'm glad somebody else does. Well, you don't really see it all. Well, not yet. Yeah. Because he's like burning his clothes off mm-hmm. into the costume. But yeah, he flames on, and uh, they went up fighting. And she basically is like kind of talking crap about his flame, about being hot enough to burn her. And he winds up kind of blowing up the garage that they're in.
1: You know, kind of about it It blows a damn thing up. It's got gas things out front, Rob.
0: That's true. And um, the first time I was reading this, like I like I said, I hadn't read the the point one stuff, so I was really surprised that she was running around with an accuser hammer.
2: Her arms look like Daleks.
0: They, they do, but Daleks. Daleks. Yes, exterminate.
2: It's just because they have little bubbles all over them. It's not like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How, how you look uh, at yep. that, I'm trying you, oh, to draw oh, in right. an audience here <laughs> okay all right, all right work with me yeah, it was back to the giant hammer
0: yeah, yeah. but uh, as they're kind of battling in the city like everybody sees the human Torch and, and her fighting and they're recognizing his voice and like
5: oh my god love James
0: so like his whole idea here is gone and his big thing is he wants everybody to kind of get away from the fight. But at the same time, he's almost causing more of a problem because as he's shooting flame everywhere, it's going to get closer to burning up cars and stuff. And she's not helping because
1: she's hucking cars at him. Neither one of them will help keep the city very safe. I mean, as far as people are concerned, yeah, he's yelling, get out of the way as he run, flies down there covered in flames and destroying shit. I man, yeah, it's pretty... Oh they're tearing things up, man. It's, it's good stuff, though. But yeah, I mean, ultimately she's chucking cars at him because she, she basically mocks him. I mean, she's just like one of the accusers, like Ronan... Because she's super, super strong, and even some of them fear her, which is really weird. But I don't remember her from anything else before. Do Who? you guys remember her from any other than the Point One stuff? Tantalus? Yeah. No,
2: but she is Grace Jones on steroids.
0: I will give you that, <laughs> sir. <laughs> she does look very, so I, I can see that relation.
1: From, though. like, uh,
2: Conan? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: yeah. There's, there's only one Grace Jones, sir.
2: Well, yeah, That's but true. she's got different personas. But the Conan, the Conan Grace Jones is
1: frightening. Is the Conan Grace
0: Jones is 007 Jace Jones. Yes. And actually, I, mm-hmm. I liked this earlier in the story. When he first comes across her, he's not sure who she is uh-huh. or what to make of her either. And so he immediately thinks that she must be in Atlantean. Yeah, has got Namor the blue speed. skin. You yeah. like Namor? <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: Who?
2: Namor. <laughs> Namor. Namor. Oh, yeah.
3: Namor. Yeah, that piece of trash.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The big thing for for that is that Human Torch has been out of the picture for a long time, so he hasn't really met a lot of these alien races that maybe a more common character would would know better. Anyhow, she basically gets him to charge at her, and then she pulls out what looks like a gigantic revolver, (laughs) which she says is going to somehow cause him to remember something so that she can find what she's looking for and when she blasts him with it it's like this weird purple energy and then we fall back into a flashback the flashback that we fall into is world war ii and it's got to be somewhere before cap's gone because bucky's still running around with the invaders but cap is oddly missing from this flashback i don't think that's the case i think it is after cap's gone well, yeah, that can't be, because they're both at the same time. That doesn't make sense. Mm, good point, yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't know where Cap is. That's a good point. I don't know where he is either. But uh, the Human Torch is basically saying he doesn't remember this happening.
1: Yeah, it's like he's watching it happen for the first time. Mm-hmm. Processing.
0: And um, strangely enough, we have another character with us, somebody that we've never seen before. Major Liberty? Mm, yes. Um, and he's kind of hard to describe. He's... Basically like if you took a colonial soldier's clothes, and then you made them red. Like a Miniman. And then you gave him a fluffy pirate's necktie. A puffy shirt. A puffy shirt. puffy shirt like a pirate. And then you made him have a smaller colonial hat, and then gave him a domino mask. That's kind of... Looks but, a
1: little funny. Yeah, he's, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he's a funny looking chap. <laughs> yeah, his colonial hat looks like a child sized hat. Looks,
2: looks like uh, that dude from Project Superpowers.
1: Oh, yeah, He does. does
2: the fighting Ma- yank.
1: Yeah, the fighting yank. <laughs> he looks exactly like the fighting yank. He man. Yeah, yeah. Not the. <laughs> oh, don't man. laugh at yank. He's a Yankee. <sighs> Simpler times, Mike. Simpler times. Yes.
0: But uh, yeah, evidently his name is Major Liberty. And he is a real jerk. Like, he's... Rootin' tootin'. Yeah, definitely. He's, <laughs> he's a two-fisted man of action. <laughs> so, like, everybody else is kind of working together a little bit, and he's like, I can take them all myself. I don't even know why I brought you fools. He doesn't need a sidekick. <laughs> there you go. And oh, what I love about this is, like, they've really gone and are hammering home the... Like, most of the stuff we knew about Bucky in World War II was propaganda idea. So he's running around with a Tommy gun, and he's got, like, a really dangerous streak, and he's out there doing all of his own stuff. And they also did something that was fun, which is uh, in the old Captain America Bucky side story. They had this whole thing where he was calling the Submariner Subby just to, like, mock him. Which he does again in this, which is awesome. Either way we kind of have this big battle going on. It's a uh, crazy spread where we're seeing the... It's definitely like a World War II base. And it seems like they're fighting more Nazis than, like, Hydra characters or anything. But um, they mention Baron Strucker, and we see him holding the God Whisperer device. But we also see Helena from... Hela. Hela, I'm sorry. From um, the Viking mythos. And she's kind of on this big pedestal and it almost seems like she's surrounded by glass but I think it's just like a spotlight on mm-hmm. her. And the fighting yank's making his way up to her while the rest of them is, I'm sorry, Major Liberty's <laughs> <make his> fighting <laughs> his way up to Same her. Same thing. i well, close. I didn't even think about the fighting yank until you... Less funny. <laughs> Anyways, um, while, uh, mm-hmm. while Bucky's l- mowing down guys with a Tommy gun in the background. looks like he's crying. But, um... As this flashback is is building out, the Human Torch starts realizing that he's not the only mind there. That Submariner and Bucky are both reliving this moment, as if they're reliving it for the first time. But They're all sharing this moment. And so uh, as they're taking care of the Nazis out here, and we have a, a great scene with uh, Submariner smashing these giant Nazi robots together while screaming, Imperious Rex See that's good
2: stuff, Mike.
0: We even have Bucky being like, I thought I'd be tired of hearing you yell us by now, but when you're smashing Nazis, it just works out.
2: <laughs> well this uh, seems
3: to me that Bucky in this book and Major Liberty would probably be closer friends than what they're letting on here.
0: It's possible, but what maybe do you just never seen him before. They sure Domino so, mask yeah, maybe maybe they seemed about the same age as what I saw simpler times Mike simpler times <laughs> but uh, but yeah, another thing that is odd is Toro's not here which is also an interesting thing yeah
1: the Human Torch makes a real mention of the Toro not being there and Cat not being there yeah. so whenever this happened however it happened I don't know if the two of them were present or they're not lively present now which is why we have the the whole Captain Major Liberty th- instead I don't know. It's real weird. I'm sure that you know. Sure, we'll figure it out. Yeah, later, I'm sure but. it'll build out. But I, I kind of feel like Cap wasn't involved.
0: I think that's also why his spirit isn't there in this flashback thing. So, by either way, Major Liberty managed to get his way up to uh, Hella, and um, he has a pretty good line here. And see if I can find it. Hello, doll. Gotta say, I'm your worst nightmare. Doubt that. <laughs> The way I'm, dressed, right? I'm linked to the brave American dead of history. Have you got it? Me? I got my own strength. And there's two. So wipe off your lipstick and knock off those heels. The good part was the last line. Mm. Up to that, it's just set up. Basically, he tells her again that he's like his worst—he's her worst nightmare and he goes to attack her and she mentions that She can feel his connection to the dead, but he doesn't understand. She's connected to all dead and just kind of reaches out a hand and rips away his life essence. And he just goes from being this Major major Liberty, kind of a young guy, to being like a decayed corpse to a skeleton. And kind of everybody gets this like, oh, it's real now (laughs) kind of look. And then we're back into the present. And the Human Torch is basically like, what the heck did you do to me? Like, you just slipped me some kind of like weird psychic roofie or what? And she plans to shoot him again to get the rest of his memory. And the Human Torch doesn't have him, doesn't want to hear any of it, starts flying around. He manages to melt away her gun before she can do that. And so in retaliation, she starts attacking pieces of the city to try to put the civilians in danger. Because she thinks she can capture him that way and in the end she's probably right he managed to save the people in town but you know she's still managing to do more damage to him than he's doing to her she even actually managed to blast him with uh, that hammer and send him flying into some pickup trucks and he seems hurt enough that he wasn't going to be able to fight back and that's when we see Cap's shield come flying out of nowhere and smack her in the head and she drops the mallet and we see Cap and the Winter Soldier show up to kind of come to the rescue And that's kind of the end of that story, but we get a final little page with seeing that um, the Supreme Intellect has captured Namor, and they're using some kind of, like, a probe machine to try to abstract his memories. And
3: he deserves every bit of it.
0: Or
1: maybe they're just torturing him for the fun of it. It's hard to say. I'm pretty sure he's trying to get the memories. When she flips the switch, she starts shooting him with a hammer, uh, the human torch. She says they've already collected all his memories. And they just had that sort of men go through it and figure out where the item is. So, what I'm getting from this is that all three objects were hidden by each individual person. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So, as far as, like, setup's concerned, she's still tortured Namor to figure out where his piece is. The second piece is, because they've already, I guess they already found his piece. That was the first piece they recovered. Yeah, it was Namor's piece. So now they're just, they move to Toro, then from Toro, then the next step would be Bucky. My human torch. So, well, yeah, sorry. Come on. It's okay. I, <laughs> man, I merged the two together. They
2: look the same, man. That's true. We got the fighting yank and Toro in the story. Mm, oh no, wait, no we, yeah, no, we don't. No, we
0: don't. No, we don't. Okay, see, I'm not the only one fired today. <laughs> we, we don't have the fighting naked yank and Toro <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Are you trying to say the fighting yank and Toro? <laughs> that's what I said. The fighting yank and Toro. Oh, uh, yeah. I heard the fighting naked Toro. <laughs> so if I if, if
4: that's
3: they've that's ar- if they've already found oh, <laughs> Namer's part. Namor, Namor, Namor. Yeah. Then, what else? What else do they need?
1: Well, I imagine they're using him to connect to the others, as far as like trying to un un unconnect or uh, to To access memories. I don't think Bucky's actually there. I think the only two that are there in Toro's or in uh, the Human Torch's memory is Namor and him. I don't think Bucky's there, because at the very end, when Buck shows up with Cap, he doesn't have any problems at all. So I don't think he's there. I think that they're using Namor, and using him to connect to the Human Torch because when he talks about it he doesn't mention Bucky at all he mentions modern current Namor and I don't know how he know that other than the way he talks because they straight have say that in there that he's not the only memory there and he says that's the current Namor so I, I have to assume because he talks at all maybe I mean, it's hard to say I, I think I think Bucky's going to be a part of it I really do I well, think I'm he sure he's part of it but I don't think he's mentally there I, yeah I don't know Faculty-wise, they didn't—they didn't give us that. Yeah, I kind of think he was. Well, I—I I think that's why he's there with Cap now. To tell you the truth, doesn't make any sense. He must have been—he was out doing like other... that. Is fine. Maybe you're right. He was at the kids' table. Is that
0: what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Well, well, we'll know a little bit more, I guess, as the story goes on. Like that was the. I <laughs> <laughs> was it. <laughs> Well, you were setting him up for it. Yeah, that's what I know, was, because you knew that <laughs> so he's got to be there. His damn Force Ghost is in the book.
1: No, it's not. Those aren't Force Ghosts. It's they're kind of their memories. They're all everybody's black and white the entire time. Oh, not quite. But most of it. See, bang, Can we stop bang. arguing? Colors, man. Bang.
0: Rob's bang, right. You're bang, wrong. Man, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll know more as the issues come out. <laughs> Honestly, when I first read it, that was the first thought that came through my mind because I didn't know who the hell the Crayuu guys were and why they were involved in this. And I was like, damn it. I know I'm going to say that when we talk about it. Not because I want to, but because I have to. Well, that's the truth. And so I'm glad I read the Point 1 stuff because it actually gave me the insight about why they were there.
3: That can be your catchphrase.
0: It's gonna have to be. It's the stupidest catchphrase ever. (laughs) We'll know more as issues come out. (laughs) (laughs) The story might actually tell us things.
1: Maybe. That one's good too. I'm about sick and tired of seeing the supreme intellect. For the love of God, man, I am tired of that four eyed freak. He's just in
0: everything right now. I know, right? We managed to kill him, and so we have to keep bringing him up because of. Who's, who's the writer that's doing the, uh, the Avengers right now? Hickman? Hickman? Yeah! Yeah.
1: Because
0: Hickman made big strides to remake him. And now Robinson's doing it. Hmm. That's it's true.
1: Robinson yeah. now. But yeah,
0: the Hickman made the big chance of, of rebuilding the Supreme Intellect, so yeah, we have to remind everybody all the time that he's, that he's back. But unfortunately, as much as I hate to use this as, as a plot point, it's kind of like the Martian Manhunter nobody knew it was dead until it was gone well you know if you,
3: if you think about it he wasn't he uh, didn't he appear in guardians too
0: the martian manhunter no, no. the supreme intelligence <laughs> or, <It's an> elect, <laughs> elect, or yeah, yeah no that's ever since he was infinity. on this last issue
1: yeah, yeah ever since, so, since infinity happened this so is getting a little dead
3: deadpool well ever since they no <laughs> man not quite no <laughs> yeah,
1: ever since they
0: recreated him at the close of the fantastic four by merging two of the reed richards he's been everywhere it's like they're trying to beat it into our head that the Supreme Intellect is back. Hmm. But that's also why the Cree had been so small time for so long, is that they didn't have the Supreme Intellect, so they didn't have that boogeyman. But yeah, I'm kind of sick of seeing him too.
2: <laughs> and this was written by who? James Robinson, right? Yeah. And he was the one that left DC because they were Earth 2.
1: Earth 2? Earth 2, yeah.
2: So he's a good writer, he's a really good writer.
0: Because they wouldn't let him have the supreme intellect. No, because he no. <laughs> no, there's
1: other reasons for that, Rob. <laughs> <I know. laughs> the is not. He's the a
2: terrible anymore. writer.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. Terrible writer. No, Earth 2's good, man. Well, so he's he, been it, it, it,
2: what? He's been around a while, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's old.
1: He just recently has left DC for then not letting him do what he wanted to but do. But he was
2: also doing JLA in DC mm. prior to the whole Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they had Monel. Then you hear uh,
3: a lot about Star, uh, Starman. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
1: he had a
0: good he had a good deal
1: in Starman, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, Rob's scorebook, go. Um,
0: I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it more after the point one stuff, so I'd give it a, a 3. It's pretty high rating, Rob. And I, I really like the Human Torch, and I thought they did a decent job on them. I, I hope we'll have more connections to the Human Torch Mini, so we'll see. All right, Mr. J.? Uh, I'll
2: give it about two and a half. Looked pretty good. Story looked pretty good.
1: now yeah. Mr. Mike?
3: it was decent. I'll uh I'll agree mm-hmm. with a two and a half. All right. The art's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. see Pug the characters pug, are pretty cool. Pug Pug, pug, pug. and Pug. Pew P how how yeah. Pugh. I'm
2: gonna say Pew. Pew? Yeah. Pew Pew. Yeah. <laughs> like Hugh and Pew and, all right. and uh,
3: I think the fact that it's uh, a little more uh a little more Cosmic stuff involved instead of World War Two.
4: It's cosmic. Well, it's been about <laughs> things
1: at least the beginning. I mean, I'll give you the Supreme mm-hmm. Elects the part that annoys me, but yeah, I, I do like this new uh, Pursuer. Like she's definitely Grace Jonesy. That's it's awesome. Started, like being a, a villain type. Yeah, she's she's pretty motivated, which is cool. Mm-hmm. First, score-wise?
2: Score wise. Three and a half. Okay. I, I enjoyed it a lot better than Mike being beside me, so...
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> it had I'll one strike against it for Mike already. Yeah. Because it had Namor in
2: it.
3: Yeah. yeah. Think about this for a second. Do you realize I'm getting two books with that... With Namor in them? That piece of trash in them? Man. In it? Well, I guess I'm never allowed getting the other one anymore, Same but I have.
0: Right <laughs> you <laughs> might find something that you like about Namor. Who knows? Halloween will not. believe
2: it. Halloween will not. He
0: basically is just Super Spock. And that's what... <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. Aquatic either. Super he's, Spock. He looks He looks oh Aquatic, Aquatic Spock. Aquatic yeah. yeah. Well, right. I have to say in that, that uh, but past, that,
4: that
3: uh, superior team-up issue, he did get schooled. That's true.
2: There, gets schooled. Moving on. Ross? Give it a three. Yeah, yeah. Boom. Nice. Good job, Ross. Bring up the per capita in this place.
3: There weren't even a cup of water in that, was there?
2: No.
0: There was coffee. <laughs> it's close I like to coffee. Coffee and pie. <laughs> three well, fish. There we go.
5: What made it a three?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, good job, Ross. Now good you know the secret. But they also destroyed the statue of a
1: horse. Oh, that's also awesome. <laughs> Look at my horse. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I'll give it a, a two and a half also. Like, story wise, it's, it's an interesting story. Uh, Classic, classic Heroes, which is cool. Um, as far as the rest of it's concerned, I, I, I don't know if I would have felt different about it if I wouldn't have read the uh, Point One stuff. I, it does kind of annoy me a little bit that, it, that there wasn't more about that part because you very much come into it full force without having any clue like who Blue Chick is at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I really do think you probably need that little piece. Did it kill the story? No, not at all. Uh, as far as the rest of it's concerned, the flashbacks were pretty cool. The... Uh, major liberty ridiculous but awesome you, you get old
2: school cree okay that right, deserves at least a three cool.
1: yeah, they are cool I, i'll be
0: happy with this book as it goes as long as it's not a tool to just bring in major liberty like as long as he doesn't wind up showing up from i don't day think so and, with a 90s remake on him i don't think so i, I hope not yeah i, hope I don't not think too. so <laughs> Ridiculous. I'd like not to. Don't, yeah. don't get me Ridiculous. wrong. I, I was a huge fan of the Avengers Invaders, where we brought back Toro and we saw the original Vision, and we had, um, had the Destroyer show up again for a few oh, minutes yeah. and stuff like that. Like that stuff's all cool. But I'm happier with most of them staying in the
3: past. Now, this Major Liberty was part of that too. No, no.
0: I've I don't think I've ever seen Major Liberty before. Now I can't say I know all those characters because I really don't. Because there's always like somebody from the 50s that I see that I've never seen before, but I've, I've never seen him before, so. Yeah, I,
1: I don't remember seeing him before
0: either. I, I didn't do any research to find out about him, so. That's
1: what he gets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to uh, Batman 26? No, 27. 27. Good work. Yeah, well, saying, I read the wrong one if it was 26. <laughs> now it's 27. You can never read out. the wrong one with Batman. I mean, not really. Ross is right about that. You might have lost for the conversation, but you didn't read yeah. it wrong. No,
2: I read the wrong one.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. You're I mean, not supposed to read uh, This is still oh, part man. of Zero Year. Uh, this cover is freaking epic. Uh, I think early on in the catalog, Mike said, that looks like a, a good suggestion for cover of the year. And I said, Mike, it's still 2013. He's like, Yup. <laughs> That's pretty much where the conversation went.
5: I do think this is funny. Someone pulled up a picture of old Batman 27, like prior to new 52. And it was the old issue with Batman and Santa Claus <laughs> on the front mm-hmm. of it. This is like put that side by side with this one. That's pretty
1: funny. There you go. Completely. covered the year. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, good stuff. But if you have been listening, uh, you know we talk about Batman a lot. This is the Year Zero stuff, so uh, we're dealing with Bruce becoming the Bat, uh, and we're already in full fling when we start this particular issue. Full fling. Uh, still Scott Snyder writing it. still fantastic. Uh, as far as art teams concerned, it's cons- 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 still still Greg Kapalua. and it's also fantastic. We start with a flashback of a diner with a singing chick, then we move mm-hmm. to the uh, the action in the harbor. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what's going to pay off yet, but...
5: It might, to me, that reminded me of Batman the animated series. Just because like, the older setting to it.
0: Huh. I can see that a little bit. But, yeah, they, they even bounce from there to Gotham. Like, there's a there's good span of years between here and there, so... I'm not... I just don't know where that is going to tie in, but I have to assume that they showed it to us for a reason, so...
1: Anyways... To set the palette of color tone? Could be. Because <laughs> it follows that color tone throughout most of the book. Yeah. Anyway, back to Gotham Harbor. Yes.
0: Six years ago in Gotham Harbor. Um, one of the things I liked again, anyways, with this is that they're still doing the, the classic Batman costume. So he's got the purple gloves and the extra elongated ears, which was really cool that you could actually see that in this one, too. But um, he's. He's come to the harbor on a tip that the Riddler is setting up something there, and he's been attacked now by the Gotham police who were instructed in the ways that he would do his escape. And they're all about bringing him in dead. So they've already actually kind of shot up uh, Batman's gear. They've managed to get some kind of chemical uh, in his face. When he goes to put down his smoke bombs, they've already got gas masks in their arsenal already, and they're already looking up high, so as he's, like, hiding in the smoke, they're already talking about, like, look up on the rafters, wait for him to shoot his little pogo gun, you know. So he actually has to kind of change the way that he's doing things. And we're seeing that his equipment isn't to snuff yet, so he keeps trying to contact the cave, and he's getting no response.
1: Well, he's also got, I mean, been shot in the head. He's going out of his ears and bent back. The mask is shooting sparks out the front of it. Like, he's been shot in the at least a couple times in the head. That explains a lot. <laughs> I hate when that happens. It is. Yes. It, it, is it makes the brain hurty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure of the amount of damage, but yeah, he doesn't look very good, that's for sure. But they even have his escape route planned out in advance, so they already knew where his boat was waiting. And by the time he gets out to it, it's got a grenade inside of it. And they're actively taunting him. I kind of think they may have even stumbled onto his radio channel. So when he was calling to the uh, the cave, they may have been picking up some of those signals. But uh, they had snipers outside waiting for him. So even after the boat explodes, they're shooting into the water. So he's left with having to go back into the chemical, into the harbor plant. In the end, he winds up escaping through one of the, uh, it's like a dive uh, circle. Gosh, I don't know what they call those things. It's it's an area that you can like send divers into the into the water to inspect the undersides of boats. Uh, I, I have no idea way. what you'd call it. One now port portals on side of the ship. Don't you? That's <laughs> you talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it, it's actually kind of this really cool ingenious thing because he goes diving down there with a, um, a rather large air tank, but he doesn't have any of the scuba stuff and so while he's under the water and they're kind of trying to shoot at him, he winds up kicking the air valve off and uses it as a propellant so he can get well off into the harbor but by the time he comes up they're already kind of looking for him and they actually have a little funny gag here where his ear just pops up out of the water and it's moving like a shark fin oh, It's
1: only the one because the other ones broke uh, yeah. Right. Da-da, Batman! dum
0: <laughs> dum <dumb. laughs> oh, <laughs> is, is that right? Was that what we were doing? Oh, All right. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. he, he winds up surfacing, and he's swimming for a second, and he gets hit with a spotlight. And it winds up being, uh, we kind of have the moment where he's froze, where he thinks he's caught. And it winds up being that Jim is out there on the boat, and Jim is trying to get him to get into the boat so he can get him to safety. And Batman's a little reluctant because he's like, well, why would you help me? And um, Jim kind of is basically like, well, we don't have time to talk about it now. <laughs> You're cool. But by the time he gets him into the boat and they start heading towards land, um, Jim's kind of trying to tell him to take off his, his mask so that he doesn't get his face burned up, doesn't lose his eye. And uh, Batman's kind of like, yeah, whatever, I don't think so. And So Jim gives him his glasses and he's like, well, you know, take a look at this prescription and tell me if I can see without them. <laughs> And after Batman looks through it, he's like, oh, yeah, okay. He can't see my face, anyways. So he takes his gear off, but they have a talk about why Jim Gordon is helping him. And surprisingly enough, Jim actually says, well, half the reason I'm helping you is Bruce Wayne. And of course, Batman's kind of like,
1: oh. dun dun, what?
0: And it Cause, winds up being. Because the-
2: Batman's Bruce Wayne.
1: Oh! No. No. So you guys Yeah!
2: If you're playing at home.
0: Spoiler? Spoiler? Spoiler! Very clever, Chris. Let's roll that back. That's too much. Giving away things. No. Um. But, uh, Jim is talking about picking up Bruce Wayne as a child. Because he had, like, skipped school or something. And the Waynes had contacted the police. And, um. He's talking about taking him back to the family, and that Jim had sort of been beginning to be corrupted. He'd seen some really nasty stuff in Chicago, I think it was, before he came here. And um, he kind of he kind of gets back in this squad car from taking Bruce home, and he's got this new jacket. And Bruce asks him, well, where'd you get that from? And he's like, oh, you know, the people of Gotham just love us, so they just give us this stuff. And he could kind of see in Bruce's eyes, like, him lose some of that that hope like you know like realizing that he's not as good as he thought he was and it kind of affects Jim and so he wants to kind of look into what was going on at the, at the coat place the reason that he got the jacket he kind of feels like he needs to be better because he could see the disappointment in Bruce's eyes and it winds up I guess that that was the same night that Bruce's family would be killed but um, when he, he takes him home, he goes back to the, the coat place to try to find out why they would pay him off, anyways. And when he gets there, he finds this illegal dog fighting ring. And in the dog fighting ring, there's four or five cops down there around betting on the on the matches. And Gordon is of course furious and wants them to you know stop what they're doing and wants to arrest them. And he's basically like, the cops are like, well, why bother? And he's like, well, I'll take it to the commissioner. And he's like, well, you don't have to leave. The commissioner's going to be here in a couple hours. And so he's like, well, I'll take it to the press. And they're like, well, we could do that. Or we could see what your odds are now. And they wound up uh, releasing all the dogs to fight him. Who let the dogs out? Who? Who, who, Tom. who? Tom. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Jim is fighting off all of these dogs. um,
1: Back at the dog fighting ring? Yes.
0: (laughs) Back at the insidious dog fighting ring, (laughs) Jim Gordon battles for his life with only a piece of leather as a shield.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's right, though, it's true.
0: Uh, All all the cops and stuff around him are betting on whether he's going to win or lose.
5: I think we need to start a new segment to this of Rob announces the Batman comic like Batman 66. Like, like the
0: old Batman 66? How yep. will Jim survive? Yeah. Yeah,
1: the first take was better. Mm, yes, that's true. It was more inspired. Well, let me rewind for one second. So they, The way they've been getting these dogs to fight in general is they've got them trapped in a cage with an electric floor that's constantly sending shocks to the dog's feet, making them crazy. So they're all freaking nuts and they sent him out to fight. and I'm like, hmm, no, Mike Big might not be such a great guy. He's gotten better and apologized, okay? But as far as like the setup for the rest of this thing, yeah he did. He, he went
2: to jail. No the way you did it. okay. okay. <laughs> okay. Mr. Garrison. Yeah. yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> but the, the, the whole setup for this, like these dogs are freaking nuts. And as far as any dogfighter, I'm sure it's any, any ring that they use to fight animals is probably bad. But yeah, like it's a pretty bleak picture, because Jim, at this point, didn't think that Gotham was that bad. And he thought, man, maybe I find a land in a city that's not horrible like Chicago was. Because he wasn't being tainted in Chicago, he was just tired of being there and he turned other cops in. <laughs> what are you laughing about? You said taint. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tainted. That's even worse. <laughs> Touche, sir. All right, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> man. Oh, stupid. Rob, what's, what's Jim fighting with? Uh, no, I don't think I can do it. The
0: we'll we'll man about town. Ooh. He's battling with that jacket wrapped <laughs> right around his arm. It's right. kind of his only his only armor for it. But um, all the policemen and the people at the ring are betting on who's going to win the fight. And he talks about, as he's fighting them, that it takes him a while to realize that they weren't rooting for him to win. They were rooting for the dogs to tear him apart. And so in the end, he winds up having to kill the dogs. And uh, at the end of it, he's kind of on his knees and he's... Bleeding and bitten up, and he's got his service revolver out, and yeah, the dogs are dogs, probably not having a very nice day. But um, this uh, policeman that was supposed to be
1: it's just Jim's partner,
0: and like his partner has collected this whole hat full of money, and Jim draws his gun down on him, and it's uh, going to kill him. And the guy kind of turns around and like grabs the gun out of his hand, and he's, and he's like, you need to remember something, Jimbo. I'm the one who betted on you. I'm the one that cared about your life tonight. But it's just as easy to find out if your son or your daughter or your li- wife likes to play with dogs. So you got to think about what you can lose. Because I was the one who betted on you to live. And so from there he stalks off, and the guy's kind of like, well, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to walk my beat. And it's actually on that beat this, that night that he comes across Bruce and the family. But um, he talks from there about how the jacket that he's wearing is actually the same jacket that he fought the dogs in. And mm-hmm. that he's not sure why he wears it. If he wears it out of respect or he wears it out of shame or if As it's a like reminder punishment, you know, of, of how bad things used to be or could have been or still are. But now things are changing. Because of Bruce Wayne, because of Batman,
1: and he wants to do he wants to do better by them. Yeah, and he makes mention of Bruce coming back to the city, like after all that trauma from being a kid. He he talked about how Bruce stood up to the to the Red Hood gang and helped him. So like it, it's like giving props to the same guy, Batman and Bruce Wayne at the same time. It's it's really pretty cool. Like this little segment between the two of them was awesome. And um as a uh,
0: as he's finishing his story, he realizes there's something in his pocket and he reaches in there and he realizes it's his glasses. And from there he turns back and realizes Batman's gone and so he has to like stop the boat before he runs into the pier. <laughs> he really can't see where he was going. But um we follow that to see Bruce Wayne in the Batcave and he's trying to make a better, more secure um, radio transmission so that it can't be jammed anymore. And uh, Alfred has shown up with his food, which is basically like just a processed shake. And uh, Alfred and Bruce are talking a little bit. And uh, we kind of get this whole idea that Alfred feels like he could do more to help Bruce, but Bruce won't let him. And that he doesn't understand why he won't let him in. And then he kind of tells him the story about how he wasn't as under the radar as he thought he was when he was training. Because there was actually a point where they discovered he was alive. And Alfred had arranged for them not to find him. He called ahead to warn him. And how he waited up for him to call. And waited up for him to you know, to have that moment with him talking. And it wound up just being a line with nobody on it. But um, he kind of feels like now... Batman isn't really so much that he wants help as much as he wants them to bear witness to him helping himself that like this is their punishment for not saving Gotham for not saving him and his family and it's kind of like a really dark way for Alfred to feel or like for maybe Bruce to do and I don't know maybe that's what he originally thought Bruce of course isn't very good at explaining his feelings
1: well no the whole bear witness thing is it's the bear witness him him destroying himself as Batman. And It's for both Jim and and Alfred to fill. So it's like you you're making us suffer by watching you destroy yourself. Uh, yeah, it's pretty dark. Like this that in general is pretty uh it's pretty deep. A bit. This whole issue is great with things like that. Like the whole yeah the whole issue is full of cool stuff like that. But yeah, as far as setup is concerned, like they, they the two of them have it out a little bit down there in the. Uh, in the little cave, and then uh, we get a cut to Jim Gordon at home, and he's got his daughter playing with a dog. Yeah, that's, yeah, so the daughter or the son or something. There's an
0: interesting thing in the scene, but I don't know if it's supposed to be interesting or not, because there's like a toy on the floor that's an owl mask, and I don't know if that was just supposed to be a dog chew toy, and not really an Easter egg.
5: It's probably there on purpose, yeah. but.
0: yeah it's hard to say because it's just in his house on the ground and I think there was like a chew toy somewhere in the scene too yeah towards the back there's a piece of rope
3: now those cops gave him that
0: oh yeah the the dog was dropped off by his old partner Mm. which I yeah I wouldn't have been super happy to have that dog, but
1: whatever (laughs) well it was given to him as a puppy it was like the cops did it as a reminder to burn him
3: who's uh, watching through the window
0: who is watching through the window? The watcher. Ooh. And doesn't yes. that, uh, doesn't yeah, that it's panel Batman. above,
3: geez, is that uh, reminiscent of the... Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah. Dark Knight. Yep. It's
0: quite possible. It's a beautiful scene, though. I really yeah. do enjoy it. But uh, if there was one thing Frank was really good at, it was that silhouette of rain off the back of a
1: character. So, Talking about Frank Miller. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But, um,
1: There's before- scenes of that, too, in the opening for the old Batman animated. Yeah. yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, but as uh, Jim looks out the window, he's of course he's gone. But um, from there, we're kind of wrapping up what the last few issues have been leading up to, which is somebody making a chemical that could—it's uh, going to cause like a plague in Gotham. And they've been trying to trace it, and every time that they've come across it, all the particulates that they find, like lead everywhere. And so he finally figured out that it must be the old Gotham Mausoleum, which is kind of 66 Batman-esque. Yeah. We better hurry to the gold stately Gotham Mausoleum! You know, like, Mm. Gotham has everything. But, um, as he's down there in the the Gotham Crypt, I guess is what I should call it, he finds the guy's old workstation and this, like, very medieval cauldron and a few more clues, and he kind of finally puts all the pieces together, which is that this isn't just that guy, this is him and the Riddler working together for some much bigger scheme, and that he completely underestimated the scope of what the Riddler's plans were for everything. And as soon as he kind of puts those things together and starts contacting Alfred about it, all of the computer screens start popping up question marks, and we see the Riddler show up, and of course he has to rub it in. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. they were a talk trash.
0: And the Riddler is kind of he's like well you you perceive yourself as a uh, as a detective and so this is going to be the end of this detective story for you and you know kind of going on about how he couldn't catch all the riddles and all the clues before it was too late and how this was, everything was over now and he starts flooding the uh, the crypt and he's talking about how he's got all the major arteries of the city under control he has the blood and so you see the question mark box at the water uh, filtration system, and he's got the heart, and you have the the, elec- the question mark box at the electric plant, and then you have the air, and it's like this giant balloon that he's got floating over Gotham, and so he's going to attack Gotham in every aspect that he can, and we kind of close the book with the water all seeping in and the bones in the, mos- in the crypt kind of coming up around him. And just his glove kind of reaching up through the top. So we're not sure what's going to happen to Batman. But this will lead into the next arc, the Dark City.
5: That last fight with the Riddler reminded me a lot of uh, Arkham City. When the Riddler would show up and show up yeah. on all the screens around you and everything. And
3: Did he, he have a balloon them. on that too?
1: He might have. I don't think so. I don't remember if he had a balloon in there or not but you're talking about the challenges and whatever things will show for him to give you messages. Yeah. yeah. The way that all happens is really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely Enigma getting the better of Batman which may be the only time that ever really happens. But, setup-wise, it's a good issue. Um, let's see, uh, Jay, you score it? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I kind of didn't like the
4: flashback style for it. But, I'd say probably
1: three. It's pretty like good. flashback with him being a like kid, that, or...? No, like, just the coloring for it, just, like, the style. Oh, the hues? Yeah. Yeah, the color palette's a little weird during the... But I, I, I think it's it's probably that way in purpose to try to show you the, this old flashback. Like, it, yeah. it's not black and white, so it's not, like, dark days. Because at first, for Gordon, the way Gotham was, wasn't. It was, like, a haven for him, because he was leaving Chicago, and a bunch of bad stuff happened there, and he turned in a bunch of other cops, and so, like, this was a new start for him, so, like, everything's kind of Technicolor, almost. Yeah. Um, but palette was yeah, I guess I can understand that. It kind of looked like something off of, Tri- uh, Dakin, when he was tripping balls. Oh, during Dark Wolverine? Yeah. Yeah, well, the color palette matches that FBP kind of exactly, yeah. too, so, but that's an entirely different reason, I think. But, yeah, I don't know, Like I guess the color palette's a little weird. Not bad, but weird. Mr.
3: Mike? Oh, I really loved this issue. There's a lot in it. It's um, a very important issue. It's like a turning point in Batman's career. That's where, uh, where he made his uh, real connection with Gordon. Um, art, amazing. And the cover. Cover of the year. Last year. And this year. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I give it a four and a half, solid four
2: and a half. Excellent, Curtis. I don't know. I'm torn. I want to like it, but it's just not there for me yet. I'll probably give it like a three. Right. Solid three. Not one of those fancy ones. That no, that's one, Mike. <laughs> three. But it was a good one. <laughs> it was a it was a good one, Mike.
1: <laughs> all right, Ross.
5: I'd probably give it a three and a half to right. I'm not gonna lie; I'm not super into this. Uh, going you, back in time, the thing. year one stuff. Yeah. Well, I think if you,
3: maybe if you read it all in like together, I mean, when it's a little more maybe put together, I think it'll probably read a lot better. Maybe I don't, I
5: don't think it's written. But some of the issues are kind of a thing. I just I'm just not a big fan of the year one stuff. I just I don't really care about his origin, I guess anymore. Ross doesn't care about where he came from. He only cares where he's going. Yes, there was, right. a lot of,
3: there was a lot of water in that issue too. There was.
5: I know.
2: Yeah, you know, where's Aquaman when you need him? Exactly.
5: He's probably <laughs> King of Atlantis at that point. <laughs> yeah. And right the look where Batman's yeah. at. No we are talk about that pretty soon, Ross. So yeah, sure I know he's it. He's even
1: born yet. It should be Aquaman team well, up. Batman's not five. <laughs> or Superman, or Aquaman's not five. Good <laughs> thing. <dang it. laughs>
0: Fish people age fast.
2: <laughs> He's a little green behind the gills. Yay. Yay. You know what killed Bill
0: <laughs> The talking picture show.
2: That's, That's what killed bill
3: Unless they have wings on their feet and they live forever, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> they age quick and live forever. Imperious Rex. Imperious Rex. Like oh, man.
5: I've only been alive twenty years. <laughs>
1: When you leave him out of water, he forgets who he is. So. <laughs> What'd you score the book there, Steve? Uh, you know, I give it a four and a half. I mean, it's really good. Hell yeah! Like the way it's written is really strong. There's a lot of like cool nods to a bunch of other Batman stuff, like the nods to the animated yes. series and the other flashes between like just some of the paneling, the Frank Miller nod. Like this is stuff that Greg put in it art wise. Awesome. I mean, there's really a lot of little threads to different things out there. Um, as far as the rest of the book's concerned I mean it's pretty deep between him Gordon and, and Bruce when they're talking on the boat like that whole thing is freaking awesome and I mean I, it, I've said it before about this particular series like it's hard to tell the origin story of a character everyone knows because we all know Batman but when he does it when Snyder's writing it it's not something you automatically look at and go man yes." Yeah, so, BS except unless you're Ross yep. and in that case he's like
2: Batman my ass. <laughs> You know,
1: My Aquaman My Aquaman that's, well, that's not I don't exact, know if that That's not means, exactly what you say But you know It should be But as far as like story wise I mean I've read a lot mm-hmm. of Batman And I've read a lot of old you know, Batman stories when he was a kid And I'm like God what a bunch of crap And then like this stuff Man it's great Like I'm real happy with it And even the stuff between him And with him and Alfred I mean we've always known Alfred was like Loyal to the end But We never really get the idea Of how Alfred thinks bat shows about him We get him in little pieces and this one was really great. Like, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's what I would give it. Rob?
0: Um, I'd probably give it a three and a half, too. So
1: I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job
0: of the artwork for it. I I like what they're doing. I, I usually don't like year one stuff either, because I, I always think that they're trying to change something. And I don't really feel that way with this. Um, but... I do think it's a really good time because we can have these stories go on and still be breaking ground with Batman and not have to go like, well, why aren't we in forever evil? He's yeah. uh, he's filling in the
3: gaps so to speak.
0: Yeah, and, and I I don't necessarily think that they need to be there, but a lot of times when people do that, they they go off on these weird tangents and we wind up having like, oh yeah, did you know Selena Kyle was a streetwalker? Sure, why not? <laughs> you know, like it's just stupid stuff that doesn't need to be there, and I think. Snyder's done a pretty good job of not doing that. So
5: I will say, uh, and just like not being a fan of the origins again in general, this is a good like he does a good job. I just don't like the whole. Situation. No, I, you don't you like have a it. say
0: right now. Dang it! <laughs> I totally get it. Um, it is weird to see the Riddler with his little mullet thing, though. <laughs> you, you <little> and <laughs> yeah. Stuff? yeah. That's alright though. He's got to grow into. Being being the Riddler. I, I am glad, and I'll say this once again, if you guys got the number one, there was a very small section of time where we saw the Riddler with the weird question mark tattoos over his ear and the question mark mohawk. Oh my gosh, yeah, thank goodness. I'm so glad that's gone. Yeah, I'm so glad that's gone. I was going to say, are you sure that wasn't Storm? I missed a D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't Storm. He was too white for Storm. <clears throat> he might have been scared. Oh, yeah, no. I remember seeing that. I actually totally forgot that happened. But I'm. Oh yeah, some of the first designs coming out the gate were they were scary. Yeah. And so I'm kind of glad that they uh, ultimately softened some of those designs. So even the two face uh, original design was weird. So I'm kind of glad that he's more. What's the funny? Way I remember him.
5: Is I think thinking back, Mister Freeze was the only one that. Had a somewhat like what he used to look like, all the way until they did that annual, and then they gave him the weird mohawk. So maybe Mister Freeze took the Riddler's mohawk, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I'm, I'm okay with. It looks way better inside of his glass dome anyway. Well, maybe That's you true. don't notice him as much. As I'm just saying. It's, it's, no nah, I mean the
5: glass dome. Yeah, it's right. not as
1: noticeable. It's a, good, it's a good point, Ross. Enough about hairstyle. <laughs> uh. No, but I like rabbits. They <laughs> <Well, laughs> the <kid> hair. <laughs> they are fuzzy. Bruce does have
0: a strange hairstyle as well, though. Yeah. But if you've been reading the zero-year stuff, you know it makes sense. It's right there. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, let's move on. The Guardians of the Galaxy number eleven point now.
0: Wait, that's not a number,
5: I, right? Yes.
1: <clears throat> How you file that? It's the new number one, Ross. Yeah. So you could go at the beginning, I guess. So what
5: you're saying is when I'm at work organizing things now becomes before zero. Zero mm. and one. Mm.
4: And hopefully not a lot organizing. of things are labeled that way.
1: <laughs> 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 Pretty soon no one's going to be able to find anything on Rosswords <laughs> 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 At all. He's <laughs> like, well, I figured now, and then all's got to be a number two. <laughs> <laughs> Why, really? Uh, <laughs> well, how, most of all, it's all new. <laughs> when they go together? <laughs> Like, dang it. Yep, I guess you're right.
0: <laughs> well, we're trying to beat A in the alphabet with S, so we're gonna have more A titles than S titles at some point because everything's gonna be all new.
1: Yeah, to be all the super stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of S's in the comic world. There's a, there are a lot of S's. Yeah, <laughs> Superior <laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> Superman. Yeah, I think that's something different. Oh my bad. <laughs> all all right. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is the uh, tie-in to the uh, Jean Grey. X-Men, all-new X-Men crossover. Um, This is the... Well, I don't think you call it the second part, because I think technically both issues happen at the same time. So technically it's part 1B of the Jean Grey... uh, What what do they call it? The Jean Grey, what's it called? The trial trial of Jean Grey. The trial of Jean Grey. So if all-new X-Men is the point A... (laughs) Cover, point a man. <laughs> We're trying to make sure it's the way they fall together Okay,
0: so if all new X-Men is A Then Guardian of the Galaxy will be B, B. No points and You're it. a B-hole
2: You're <laughs> better also, than being
0: an A-hole right?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zing
0: uh, We're not stuff. even going to start on being a
1: C-hole okay? <laughs> <laughs> Keep your mouth closed in my back there That's usually what its <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Ah,
0: Guardians of the Galaxy, Rob. So what's Pete Quill doing? Uh, well, we see Pete at a rather crowded cantina or and or bar or whatever. And uh, if you look closely, you can even see that there's a uh, one of the Total Recall girls with three boobs.
2: And Max Rebo. And Max Rebo? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't see him. Damn it!
5: Yells have tricked? I had to like get <laughs> so find him. Yes, he's in there. So it's like where's
0: Waldo and, yes. <laughs> where's Rebo? Yeah. There is a giant flying brain with tentacles underneath it, though. It's almost the same. So there you go. Mm. But um, evidently Pete's gone in to, uh, to have a drink. So Pete's getting drunk, Curtis. And uh, we see a, a kind of attracted tentacle head girl. And he kind of raises his glass to her and she raises it to him. And then she sees somebody approaching him and she looks kind of uh, upset about it. And when we uh, see the reveal, it's Gamera, but she's wearing her old assassin's costume.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. It's a pretty awesome costume. Heck yeah, freaking awesome. There's not much costume there. No. That's why it's awesome. She's got a
2: snazzy headband.
0: That's true. That's what makes her one of the most dangerous women in the world. That's right. In the galaxy. Not in the world. World too small. Galaxy. All the worlds. Yes. And uh, so she's making small talk with him and sits down to have a drink and she's kind of flirting a little bit and um, it's kind of on right off the bat aside from that she's in the old costume because she kind of sounds like she doesn't know what Pete's been up to
4: mm-hmm.
0: which if you've been reading before this point you already know that she and Pete have been together on the Guardian ship for a while now being Gu- chased by the King of the Spartx.
2: the, so, the Guardian ship so. lollipop there you no?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aloha away
0: Aloha <laughs> <laughs> away <laughs> 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 the imagine. bebop yeah yeah there you go <laughs> but the low highway is space dandy shit that is where i was just going gonna be. say it doesn't guard anything but but no no it doesn't space dandy anyhow um so they wind up having a drink together here as she's kind of trying to make her move on him and uh pete calls for another drink and downs it from our flying space brain with the tentacles. (laughs) And that's when he lets her know that, uh... Because she kind of starts making, like, uh, hints like she wants to go back to the ship. And that's where we, uh... We find out that that Pete's got his gun trained on her. he's gonna shoot her with lightning. Because he knows she's not, uh... who she says she is. Mm -hmm. And, um... It doesn't take him very long before he realizes somehow that she's a scroll. but um, as you're reading, you can start picking up that his words are getting really slurred. And he starts looking like he's uh, he's kind of breaking down. Mm-hmm. And before you can do much about it, he winds up like, passing out on the table.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's kind of going to sneak him out of the bar. Well, from there, we go back and we see... You not have to correct me if I'm wrong with this, but emperor, of, or the king of Spartax, named Jason. Jason. Is it just Jason? I would say Jason. It's not pronounced funky. No. Not J-son. Well, you could, but I'd I just say Jason. There you
2: go. Because he's, he's a human. Void.
1: Humanoid. Well, yeah, I no, think he's
2: human.
0: I think Jason is a Spartax. I think he
2: <sighs> is not But it's human. Well, he's humanoid. Humanoid.
0: Because they called him Jason on
2: on home, when no. he was with what's-her-name. Oh, what's you, her name? you
0: mean the word is... Right, yeah. it's kind of like Marvel. Yeah, okay. just Jason. Yeah, it's not even important. J- Jason, move on.
2: You can say it the way you wish.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna call him Jay of the Sun. <laughs> <She's> not. A- <laughs> no, That's I'm confusing. gonna call him Frank. Hey, Frank. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, all right. Jason is uh, there with Jay. the. Uh,
4: hmm?
0: yeah. oh, He's there with the the rest of the intergalactic heads. So, the Supreme Intellect. Mm. Of course! Who cannot be there? The Brood Queen. (laughs) Uh, The Gladiator. King of the uh, Shi'ar people. Um, I don't see one of the Bardoons, although we have one character that we can't see very well. And then somebody wrapped in armor. And they're... They've all come together because of Jason. And Jason kind of makes it Pretty plain that he really doesn't want to be around them anymore, and they
1: make it pretty plain that they don't want to be around him anymore, because he sold them all out
0: in Infinity.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, ultimately they're they're all questioning why he, why he called them together, and he's like, um, I didn't, and then he points to Gladiator, and Gladiator's like, yeah, I called you all together, so he shifts the 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 main focus of the whole thing to be on Gladiator's shoulders, because apparently Gladiator used his name to rile, get them all together, I guess. Uh, subterfugically, but yeah, basically they're all met together because Gladiator wants to talk to him about a situation that he's decided needs some addressing. Yeah, they've uh, they've come uh, to information that
0: Jean Grey is back. And so because she's back, she should be held accountable for the crimes of the Phoenix. And so they're kind of discussing whether or not this should be the case. And Jason kind of makes the points that this is the Jean Grey from the past. So she hasn't actually had these events yet. She actually hasn't become the Phoenix or done these crimes yet. And Gladiator feels very sure that she should be responsible for it. And they kind of have a discussion at first of why they even bring her from the past to the future. And it's actually kind of funny because the Supreme Intelligence is like, nostalgia? Maybe they brought her back because they they missed her. (laughs) And they do talk about the time fracture that happened because of AI and surprisingly enough at least they know that it's not because of the X-Men
1: right <laughs> yeah you, normally uh, you think they blame the X-Men for it but yeah yeah they, do, yeah they didn't make mention of it being something that happened and this didn't ha- help it but it wasn't caused by it or it didn't cause it to happen so uh, there's more people aware of the fracture than what we initially were led to believe at least I mean galaxy wise but yeah
0: the guy I couldn't pick be, pick out before is in Nihilas. It took right. me all this time to figure that out. It's stupid. Anyways, <laughs> I dig it. Um, so yeah, the like gladiator is basically decided that she should pay for the phoenix's crimes,
1: regardless so it's, whether it's the the one that's committed to them or not. It, it, I'll give you the supreme intelligence of this that it it's kind of defending her a little bit because it's like, well, she hasn't actually done it yet, so how can we prosecute her for something she hasn't actually done? Gliders like it doesn't matter. Giant smile. We're gonna pry her anyway. You guys all get to be on the council, which is also freaking weird.
0: Mm. Well, when she was when she was at her zenith, when she first went out, she did
1: destroy a star, well, yeah. which made
0: everybody worried.
1: But Phoenix well, I mean, I it's by itself destroyed a bunch of planets. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, like it's just weird that they're that this is a thing at all. Yeah. Anyway, go on
0: but um, so we see that stage is set for that and then we flash back to on board the Guardians of the Galaxy ship where Tony Stark is telling them that he basically stole their intergalactic phone and he wanted to send them a message about how he was glad that they were such great hosts to him and they were you know he he missed them and he wanted to say thanks and leave them a present or something about halfway through it he realizes he's messed up, and he's like, oh, great, I gotta erase this and start again. He starts over.
4: <laughs>
0: and after he starts the very beginning of it, Rocket's like, you know, we can hear you, right? Like, This is a live feed that you're sending to us, which is funny, because every time it starts, Tony says, it's me, in living color, like he knows that he's talking. Coming to you live. Yeah. Like he knows that he's doing a live message. But evidently, he didn't realize he was. And so, uh, yeah. He and Rocket kind of, uh. Ex- they, they, they don't have to get along. Yeah, they they kind of had some yeah. words there for a minute, and it was basically like Rocket was asking him if he'd give it back their technology. <laughs> and Tony's like, I don't think FedEx sends to space. So, um, probably not. And, uh, Groot says, I am Groot.
1: Okay. Um. Well put.
0: But about halfway Good job, through. Diesel. Yeah, about halfway through, uh, Tony's like, I really want to thank you guys for helping me out and I would like to send you something and Rocket just turns off his transmitter. (laughs) So he just hangs up on him. Awesome. (laughs) And that's kind of it. That just ends the whole conversation and they just go back to eating like it never happened. And then we have another kind of fun part here where um, we have both Gamera and Angela on the planet. The same planet that... um, that Pete was on and they're shopping for swords and stuff and like they're kind of having like a girly shopping moment but it's for these wicked blades right like trying to figure out you think this would be the right blade well it doesn't quite look like the blade for you and they happen to notice across the crowded marketplace the other Gamera trying to take Pete to her ship
1: carrying him through the, the square with people yeah
0: and so they go to fight her and uh, they kind of have a, a fight in the middle of the street, and Gamera's trying to question the other Gamera. and she manages to uh, deflect. Well, I guess it was. Uh, I guess it's Angela who manages to deflect a blaster shot right. into her stomach, and so Gamera is like getting ready to turn the screws on her, ask her questions, and Angela just kind of runs over and slices her head off when she sees her start to change shape. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And um, we find out from there that Angela doesn't know what shapeshifters are, or doesn't know what uh, a Skrull is. is. So where she comes from, like, shapeshifters were different. So we're still seeing, like, there's a good deal of stuff that wasn't the same in Angela's world as it is in ours. So evidently a Skrull didn't exist wherever she came from. But um, now we're not going to be able to get the answers for her, but uh, kind of to repay her for taking her kill. She's like, well, you can have the spoils of war. This was her spaceship. And so she's, like, going to gift her the scroll spaceship. Yeah.
1: And then Pete finally comes through and is like, what the heck's going on? Well, while the girls are talking, like, Angela makes it pretty plain that, yo, you, you weren't going to get anywhere with her. It's obvious who hired her. Pete's dad's been hunting him down, so it's obviously now he's hired, hired these assassins instead. So she basically, like, lays it out to Gamora, like, why are you going to ask her questions? It seems obvious. And then gives her the Spoils of War, which is the, the ship that she was going to load Pete into. And Kamara's like, uh, thanks? Yeah, it's, it's really pretty funny, actually. Maybe it's funnier when you read it. Funnier than maybe. Go on. It's, it's a good time. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just saying, man, it's, it's hilarious. Like, looking at Mara's face when she's like, thanks, is freaking hilarious.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. I agree. But
0: um, from there, the rest of the Guardians get back onto the ship. And I i don't exactly know where... They were kind of trying to monitor Burdoon chatter.
1: Mm-hmm. The last time they had an incursion with the Burdoon, uh, Rocket put uh, transmitters on a couple of them. Like, he hid them. And so he's been monitoring their, any of their chatter, which most of the time is just nonsense. So he said, so he explains how he built another program to filter the nonsense and to mention anything that has Earth in it or the Guardians, uh, just in general, to break down some of the garbage that the Bardoons send back and forth to each other. And he's like, so there might be something here that might also be nonsense. And so he basically explains to Jason that apparently she are going to take and capture Jean Grey, which Peter Quill's like, "Uh, Jean Grey's dead. Because he was around back when, the, when Jean died. And so he's like, that doesn't make any sense. It must be stupid. Because she's dead.
0: Well, and the message says something about the Phoenix's host. And then from there, um, Angela's like, what's the Phoenix? And everybody else is like, oh, man, the Phoenix. Bad news. Because <laughs> they all know what the Phoenix is about. but um, And actually, I think Rocket brings up like a little information about it. But nobody really stops to tell her what the Phoenix is. So they're still kind of debating what what they should do about it, because it sounds like they're going to take the current Jean Grey and put her on trial, which we already kind of knew that as the reader, but the
1: Guardians need to find out about it now. Right, well, and Pete's still like, this is stupid because it doesn't make any sense. And Angela's still like, oh, uh, what's the Phoenix? And Rocket's like, "Um, something else has happened. A ship has entered... Uh Earth's uh, atmosphere, or not atmosphere, Earth's quadrant, which at this point <laughs> are the, all the uh, different alien worlds have all agreed not to mess with Earth because pretty much when you do it just destroys everything. And as part of like a galactic treaty type thing, they're not supposed to go there. Yeah. Even the Guardians aren't supposed to go there because technically, well, Peter's—he's not actually human. Human, he's half human, half Spartex, So even he's not supposed to go. In order to keep this treaty against entering Earth, which ultimately he thinks his his dad wants to go to Earth to dominate or something. Anyway, the ship shows up and he's like, oh, well, I guess we better go.
0: So, uh, en route to Earth, they kind of... they're kind of figuring out what they're going to do and chase down where the plane... uh, or where the... Ship. Yeah. Where the ship was connecting. And it winds up taking them to a part... Uh, just outside of Alaska, I think it is. A part of Canada. Is it part of the top of Canada? Is yeah. It,
1: South Lake, wherever that was. Uh, Canada. Yes. Because the rocket says, What is Canada? Yeah, what is a Canada? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is a Canada? And he's like, Oh, it's really remote. You'd like it. It's quiet. Hmm. Well, he's my Wolverine, so.
0: Right. I should have said, well, That's where Wolverines are from. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would be freaking hilarious.
0: But, uh,. But yeah, they basically land down there to try to meet with what they presume is going to be the X Men to find this Jean Grey. And by the time they get there to introduce themselves, they already see that they're late and Jean's missing, but we have Beast and Iceman, Next 23, and Angel and Shadowcat.
1: And they're all kind of looking like they're ready to fight. Well, Kitty's crying. Everyone else looks like what, yeah. what the hell. As usual. She's, she's ready to fight with her, with her tears. That's not. Is that, is that our power? That's a terrible fighting strategy. Yes. <laughs> Curls up in a ball.
2: <laughs> Puts more, glasses on. You wouldn't hit somebody with glasses, would you? Might, might
1: be more effective that way, I guess. I was going phase through walls. Yay. Good job, Kitty Pryde. Good it's, job. It's good times. Anyway, so the uh, if, if you're reading all new X-Men, the most recent issue, this is where that one ends is where this one ends, which is why there would be a part A and a part B to the story, because of where they connect. Like at the very end, it's just just like they did with number seven and Nightwing and Batman, dude. Can't you just call them accompanying books? Wh- whatever. That's... They both call chapter one on the front, so you can't. So do they're chapter, one and chapter two, part A and part B. Oh my god! <sighs> they do make a nice accompanying B hole. Didn't we say this already? Better than being an A. Yeah. Oh, okay. I,
2: so I, I recycle do. my gifts. Good job. Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> Some, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Mike, uh, score a book, go. Uh, it's, you
3: better do good. Eh, about a three.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty decent. Good stuff.
1: <laughs> Mr. Curtis?
2: I really like the art, and I like the writer. I'm going to give it like a four.
0: Nice. Good work. I love the way he draws rocket. Yeah. He, so, yeah she's good.
5: Awesome.
2: Yeah. That's so that's Pachelli, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's good. <clears throat> and he Thanks does Ross. hack on
3: Stark, so I'll give it a three and a half.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll,
3: I'll give it a Just three for, three for that alone. You
1: sound a gun? <laughs> <sighs> good, good job, Ross. We don't have to be intimidated. He will be. Rob? Um
0: I actually really enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job of it, so I'd give it a four, I think. That's my see.
1: man right there.
0: Wow. Wow. He there Is it Jay? I would definitely have to go
2: with the four. That's on it. That one. See what's Ooh, happening I here? Liked it. Art was good. Story was good. Because he's sitting further away from you he should be less and, frightened well
5: it was
0: mostly
2: because, was, because there was
0: x-men I, that's what i, yeah, no, I get. <laughs> i just thought there was no logic
1: there was that. a lot of
2: talk of x-men in it so yes. i can understand it, that not a lot of talk all it hard. was all about Jean gray Jean Jean right, right. what i want to know
3: is what's the deal with this trial when she's already went to trial and no that's and, that lady from italy it's already hard, it's hard been handled <laughs>
0: I agree. I, I think that, they, that this whole situation has been dealt with. So I don't know why the Shi'ar wants to do it again, especially since Gladiator was a part of it last time. He can't even be like, "No, nah, I wasn't around when that happened." That was my son. Because he was there. <laughs> he was a part of the whole. That's what. That's how it all. It all. That, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have. Went down. Exactly. But it, it doesn't make a good excuse to have the Guardians and the X Men to get together. True. So, but um, crossover. And we'll probably get to go and hang out in the blue section. Do the the Scooby-Doo (laughs) ending. Oh, man, it was always Gladiator all along. Dressed up like the Haunted Marsh Monster. No. (laughs) They still need it gold. I wanted to scare you you I wanted to scare you guardians away from the pot of gold outside of Saturn's rings. And it would have worked, too, if it wasn't for you dynamic (laughs) X-Men. And your raccoon.
1: (laughs) And your raccoon. I am Groot. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I'll give it a four also. Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, art wise, it's, uh, it's good. The, the books, it, the way they're translating Angela into the, the Marvel Universe has been pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities for her, but it's, it's really cool having her hang out with Gamora. It's, it's pretty. I know, I like that. It's, it's awesome. Anyway, uh, so let's move on to Deadly Class. Let's you say on. that with
2: more pizzazz
1: deadly class. There you deadly go. Class. Deadly class. See? Jay's on board. Number one. That's a spooky <laughs> one. I'm Dracula. <laughs> this book's coming out with an image. <laughs> Killing the <Richard> immediately. <laughs> Rick Linder, <laughs> he's Rick Remender. the guy writing it. We Mike, Mike looks Mr. Rick Remender. No he doesn't. Absolutely. No well he does. Rick Remender's great, dude. Rick Remender is pretty awesome. Yeah,
0: he's good. <sighs>
1: So I'm not sure who all has read this book here. Not me.
2: No? Me. Oh, man. I think you and Mike, did you read it, Rob?
0: So really? Gonna, I'm going to experience this one like the rest of you guys do. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I do <laughs> you, a
5: in for a treat. Through flashbacks.
0: Whoa. scooby
1: do ending. <laughs> again. Jang you glier. I'm sorry. Jane, you guardian. No, you don't. No, not again, really. No. Oh. Stop. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, cool. the way this book is written, it's, it's set in the eighties. It's with words. Well, like it's got words, in it too. <laughs> words and pictures and pictures. It's yeah. Both. So it's kind of, kind wow. of it. <clears throat> you guys are out of control. Bring it way down.
2: Yeah. Good job.
1: Um, well, basically, the way it starts out is we're we're in the city, and uh, our main character he's a kid who whose parents died. It's uh, so kind of like Batman, I guess. But uh, he's been through the system, and at this point he's living out on the streets, kind of hobo style, which is pretty much what he's got going on. He keeps a journal. He writes in his journal a lot. The um, art palette for this one's kind of got a weird tone too to it. But as far as like art style is pretty good. Like I, I I like it so far.
0: Would you say that the tone of it feels like you're reading through
1: his journal? Because that's that kind of how you're yeah. exploring the story. I think so. Because like a lot of the, a lot of the dialogue is very like. Internal, like what he's thinking about, what things are <laughs> going on around him. So it's very, uh, I don't know. It, it's very, uh, yeah, it'd be like reading read what he writes down in his journal, probably. But, uh, he's, uh, he talks about how it sucks living underneath the bridge and being homeless and how people, they just don't see you when you're homeless. And, uh, he's really, he's, he's not super, he's not really old. I mean, he's pretty young. So it's like he escaped from the boy's home in order to go live on the streets, which is kind of. Terrible, except that he's like, it was better than being the boys' home. Anyway, you got these two guys walking into the uh, the underpass area, the under underneath the bridge, and the two of them are talking about betting on a, a game coming up. And one guy tells the other day "Oh, I got five hundred dollars on that game," and the other guy's like, "I'll take that. You know, I'll bet the other team will win." And he's sitting there with this, he's sitting there holding this cup, and of course the cup says anything I'll help. And uh, he's like, "Can you spare any change?" They're both like, "No, nah, man." And then as they keep walking, it makes you kind of feel bad, because we, we all see people like that a lot. Most times it's a sham. Most of the time. But yeah, he basically goes over that, how people just ignore you. And from there, uh, he's sitting there and he makes some notes in his journal, and it, it jumps through time kind of a lot, because we start out uh, almost in the summer months, and then we move into like a fall kind of season. Because the, the color even changes. It goes from like a red to a gray um, anyway, he gives you a date, this is February 6th now, and of course the weather is terrible and you've got, his cup says help now, and uh, he's still asking for change, and he's walking up the street and you have these two business looking guys come walking down and he's, he has anything, he says, is there anything help, any help you can give, it would be great, and the guy's like, here's all the help you need, he hands him some classifieds, and continues to walk, and then he makes it, Then the kid turns back and looks at him and he smiles and says, well I guess I'll help myself as he lifts the guy's wallet. So he basically just pickpockets the dude as he gave him the paper, being a jerk. And he has to laugh about it for a second. And he moves forward a little more, and uh, we wind up finding him sleeping on the ground. And there's a lot more internal thought. He tries to think of reasons that, it'd be, that it was okay to sleep on the ground and <coughs> try to make it be okay for himself. And we get this flashback that's almost in a dream sequence, almost, that explains what happened to his parents. And uh, when he was a kid, like five years old, I think they say, him and his parents came to America. Um, his father was a cop Like in Argentina, I think is where he was. Did you say that? <laughs> no, I, I know it does, I just can't remember what it said. Um, or
2: did I just make that up? No, I didn't make it up. He, yeah. he was. Uh, Nicaragua,
1: my bad. Yeah. That's right, that's right there. <laughs> it just took me a to figure out where we were No, I just got to do something. All right, all right, all right. I got to get involved you like hand him a copy and him no but, shit anyway so the, he talks about the, how his family was moved to San Francisco after uh, his father helped the, the government um, in overthrow part of Nor- Nicaragua and he talks about how uh, Ronald Reagan at the time was making all these strides to try to fix things and him and his family moved to America and it shows them all kind of walking along the Harbor Bay and uh, then he starts talking about how Ronald Reagan made some changes where he cut a bunch of uh funding that was going to mentally ill people. And it talks about a woman that was released because of uh, funding. And we see her on top of the bridge. And the next thing we see... There's, there's actually this other little part of that that
0: is just awesome visually, which is like the, the kind of dream sequence memory that we're seeing here. He's walking around, and he has this really bright red balloon. Oh, right, yeah. And he's kind of walked away from the parents. And he's got, like I think, an ice cream cone as well. And like kids, you know, he's, he's looking off at the water or something, and he loses the balloon, and the balloon starts flying up in the air. And as he's looking up, watching the balloon go, he sees the top of the bridge, and uh, this lady careening off the top of the bridge. Falling down. And she lands on his parents.
1: Which is pretty horrific. Because you see her face, and it's all like, it's Horror Story face, man. Like, it's... And the palette is entirely red through the whole scene. It's it's pretty it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, her fall wasn't broken too much by the
0: parents, but the parents definitely were broken by the fall. That's actually like a really good way to explain it. I thought you didn't read this. I didn't, but I'm looking at the pictures. <laughs> oh yeah. it's a good thing it has
1: pictures of it. So, yeah.
0: It's I'm
1: reading over the shoulder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it tragic. Like
0: do they to. Uh,
1: Horrible way for the parents to die. Like horrible. <laughs> And, like, this is what's haunted him since he was a kid. So the, the reason, reason he was... Being in, a
0: kid like that, too? And seeing right. your parents not only just die, but die
1: from, like, a random falling lady? It's, yeah, it's terrible, man. And so from there, he winds up in the system because he's, he's a five-year-old kid. Like, he's got no other family here. because He's from Nicaragua, and his parents are both dead. There's nobody to look after him, so now he's living in foster care, and he hated that worse than... Well, I guess he hated it more than having regular parents, which I guess makes sense. Anyway, um, then we flash to April 22nd, so it's still winter. We see a panel of his shoe, and from there we wind up finding out there's some hobo guy, like full on beard, crazy hobo looking at his eye, trying to steal his shoes. And he wakes up, and of course he flies into a rage and he attacks the guy. And uh, the guy's running away, and he realizes that the guy's. Somehow he realizes the guy has his journal tucked up underneath his shirt like the back of his shirt so the kid's able to see that he's got it hidden isn't in this backpack yeah well it's the backpack with the journal the guy yeah the guy's taking his backpack also and he's running away the kid freaks out because he wants his journal that's the only thing he's really worried about and so he attacks the dude he's beating the guy's ass and the dude's like they told me how to get shoes it's all so bad you told me how to get shoes and the kid looks at his feet and his feet are gnarly man like, his toenails are all colored gross. They're, it's, it, they're, it's bad, dude. And he's got, like, bandages kind of wrapped around him. And so the kid's like, he tells, just give me back my backpack. I just need my journal. And he get, takes off his other shoe and he's like, it's really too bad, bud. And he gives, him, he gives him his other shoe. So the kid gives him his shoes and takes back his backpack and then basically leaves. And he talks about it, how, he wor- how, he wor- how he couldn't, the only thing he was worried about is a guy getting his journal and he didn't know why it mattered because who's going to care about his journal? when he's dead, no one's gonna care about him at all. And uh, he says, but somebody's watching me. And we get these kind of weird scenes where he thinks he's been being followed, and he's felt like that for a while now. Uh, Because in the first batch of pages, when earlier on, I guess I should mention that. (laughs) He says that a couple times, and we're not sure at first if he's crazy or if he's actually being followed. Because it could just be that he's crazy. I, mean, I don't know, he saw his parents be crushed by the lady. Yeah, Yeah. something's gonna drive you crazy. That's right. Gonna, it's gonna be raining ladies. <laughs> anyway, he makes mention of how he see, saw a oh, guy I a couple me. more times, like at the soup kitchen. And uh, then you see, of course, him eating with all the poor. And he says, When I looked in his eyes, it's like I saw the future. Because I saw the only thing I had waiting for me. And uh, so we talked about that a little bit. And then we find him later on up on top of the same bridge the lady threw herself off of. And he's like, he's thinking about jumping. And in the process of that, we get a lot more internal dialogue. And as he starts to step, or think about stepping, we see a a cut behind somebody else watching him, so we see their hair. And we find out it's a girl, and we see her whisper, don't. Not to him, but just in general. And she's got to be on the other side of the bridge. But for whatever reason, he stops, and he remembers something his dad told him when he was a kid. Is that, uh... Mm -hmm. You only get one turn. You have to find happiness in what you have. And so it's like a quote that he remembers from his dad prior to them dying. And uh, so he stops, and he doesn't jump.
3: Yeah, well, they went out of their way and noticed to uh, highlight the girl's tattoo, which might be significant later, or might not.
0: Right.
2: I don't know. On her arm.
0: I don't think that's I I don't know. Uh, we'll, you may be right. They'll let us identify her later, that's for sure. At least in theory.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know. It is pretty prominent in the page. I mean, more so than her face. It, anyway, yeah, easy way to identify her, I guess.
2: Maybe because they were showing his upper face and her lower face. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. composition for it the might
1: page. Might be nothing. Yeah. We'll see. Well, it definitely makes an easy identifier the next time you see her, that's for sure. Ain't no thing.
3: Should be answered in uh, upcoming issues.
1: <laughs>
0: As we continue to read, the story may divulge <laughs> that.
1: Anyway, so now we have another time jump to November, and uh, we've got this lady with a full-on uh, face paint of death going on. We, we find out it's Dia the, de los Muertos. The day Los Muertos. The day of that crazy Mexican Christmas. That's why I like to call it, crazy Mexican Christmas. And he's walking through this basically street party, um, and he talks about he remembers his parents bringing him when he was a kid and stuff like this. And he's wandering through, smoking a cigarette, and. Uh, as he's going through the crowd, he talks about how he, knows, he feels like he's being watched again. And then you see this glimpse where he sees uh, this guy give him this weird eye, like a weird look. The black guy with uh, these cornrows gives him a strange look. And it gives him pause, and he turns, and he sees the girl who's, who's seen following him. And he it freezes, and she, she, she looks at him, and he's like, hey, hey you. And he starts chasing after her, and he comes real close to the, uh, to the color guy. And he says, it's a sting. Watch out, you're going to need to run. And the kid, he's like, what? And at this point, I I don't even know what the heck's supposed to be going on because he's in the middle of this crazy party. And there's all these different shots of what look like suit guys watching him. And then these other people watching him, too, like street vendor types. Anyway, about that time, you see these guys rush
0: him. Do you think this uh, girl here, he sees in the crowd and smoking a cigarette. you think that's the
1: tattoo that we saw earlier? Oh, yeah. It's clearly the tattoo. Yeah, that's why it's so easy to see her on the next page. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's clearly her. But, yeah, that's why he recognizes her and he yells at her because apparently he's seen her a couple times in the previous months but, like, out of the corner of your eye type. hmm Anyway, so then he gets rushed by these, these two guys with uh, walkie-talkies that are saying, move, move, and all of a sudden you see all these other guys in the crowd start running towards him like dressed in business suit type. And so he, of course, starts to flee, and as he's running, he winds up running past his arcade where we see another guy inside who we saw earlier on in the pages also, just like in the background, who's playing He's playing a video game. I don't know if you can see the game he's playing. Oh, it was 720 is what he's playing, whatever that is. And uh, he's like, oh, man, i just about to make it to the next level. Oh, well, I guess the quarter's is a good thing to pay to mess with the, with the police. And he opens the door, and he stops the two cops chasing the guy by randomly opening the door in front of him. And taking them both out. That gives our guy a chance to dodge into uh, into another store and run out the back door. When he runs out the back, guess who's waiting for him? Oh, Chick with the motorcycle. Oh. Boom. Oh, Tattoo Girl with the motorcycle. Yeah, Tattoo Girl with the motorcycle.
3: But as he's making his way to the exit, it's kind of odd that they that he brings up that it's only a matter of time. Could not run it forever, which...
1: Right, well, yeah, All of his internal dialogue make you think that he's been expecting this, maybe. Which up to this point, we really all we've known about him is a few panels we see of him being homeless, and uh, how he's not as corrupt as he could be, I guess. Because with the homeless guy, he had to do to the point to where he could just rail him and be done with him. But instead, he gives him his shoes. It's a little weird.
3: So like, mentions he hates the streets, but it beats jail. So
1: he... right, yeah, he hates living on the street, but beats being in jail. Anyway, so she pulls up on a motorcycle, and she's like, hop on. And so he grabs on, and they, she goes riding him off, and we see them has a set of cops in a car who start chasing him. And the whole time he's like, he, he, he looks back, he's like, cops. And she's like, oh, is that what they're called? You learn something new every day. Like, making fun of him. Which is, I don't know, it's funny when I was reading that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um,
3: There's a word for that kind of behavior from a, from a lady.
1: Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> it's, R- it's not yeah. very Man, you guys. Man. I was going to say sarcasm or snarkiness, but it, it's a harder word to start with a C. I guess it's the
0: C. Cucumber. Idiot.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs>
4: That's a hard man. word.
2: <laughs> I can't
0: believe you said that. I'm going to have to cut that out later.
1: Anyway, it's very cinematography, It's very, very cinematic because the way the motorcycle moves up on the, the the different... Ridges in the city because they're in San Francisco, so it goes up and down hills. And the way the cops are shooting at them, the way it's drawn is very—it's very cinematic. Anyway, um, she tells him to grab the grab the to grab the uh, stirring the the motorcycles uh, handles, throttle. There we go. Yeah. Handlebar. Handlebar. Yeah. She says handlebar, the throttles what it would be. And he's like, "What?" She goes, "Well, you better grab it, otherwise it's going to be a, it's going to be a problem." And she basically jumps off the bike, backflips onto the hood of the cop car, smashes through the window, and takes out both the cops in the car. Pretty freaking epic style. Man. Does she kill him? Uh, yeah. She might not kill the driver because she she messes him up pretty. Oh no, she does kill the driver for sure. Wow. The other guy in the seat pulls a gun on her and, and she winds up using the gun against him and then tells him that she, he better he should watch out. And she dives out the window of the car as it smashes into like a a phone pole. Okay. So I'm gonna say they both probably died. If really? not, then the dude in the passenger seat it probably pretty jacked up because it crashes the hell out of that car. And then we see, of course, him on the bike, and he doesn't know how to ride a bike, obviously, as he crashes it through the intersection on the other side, sending it to the ground. And about that time, he, he scrapes up his leg really bad, and uh, so he decides to ditch the bike, and he, he's running through this parking garage, picks up his backpack, and he's being chased by a, another guy, who a cop. And uh, as he's in the, uh, as he's in the, in the uh, parking garage... He winds up getting cornered by the cop, and the cop pulls out his gun and points at him. He's like, I, I surrender, I give up, man. He's like, Oh, there's there's no surrendering for you. And he gets ready to shoot him, and then all of a sudden we get this flunk kind of noise. And uh, it's it's our girl, and she's stabbed the dude with a samurai sword through the back. And she kills him. And at first she seems kind of shocked she's killed him, but at the same time she's she's she tells the guy on the, well, the heat our guy is definitely scared by it. And he's like freaking out, because he was a cop, and she's like, he was going to kill you. And he's like, It was a cop! Anyway, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it gets kind of muddled when I try to describe it, doesn't it? Well, I mean it's bad news. I mean, yeah, murder
0: is always bad, but murder of a cop, oh, that's
1: pretty bad. It's pretty, pretty bad, bad, too. I mean, it's very, like, like I said, this book takes place during the 80s, and it was a different kind of, I don't know, the way the new TV shows now, and versus then. it's a different kind of feel. Anyway, he's still freaking out about the dead cop, And then all of a sudden we see somebody from behind come with a bag and put it over his head. And the next couple panels are black. And we find him handcuffed on top of a stool. And in this room are all these people that were at the the, uh, the street fair. The dead thing. Yeah. We've got got the girl dressing that had her face painted like death. The black guy who told him it was a sting and a run. Our girl from the motorcycle. The dude who opened the door into the cops. And there's another guy. And they're all basically in there just talking trash about him, like, I can't believe this is the guy we're supposed to be, I can't believe the the master believes in this guy. And you're like, I don't understand what's going on, this is crazy. And he feels basically the same way, he's like, well, if you guys really want to talk crap, why am I tied, if your eyes are so big, why am I still tied up? Like, all of a sudden he's some kind of awesome? And then we see this little old man come walking through the group, and he's full-on got, like, Colonel Sanders mustache, man.
3: Yeah, but before that, you only see him from the back, and he's extremely bald, and... Kind of appears like somebody else we might know.
2: Professor X. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Oh, well, yeah, the backside him does look a little Charles Xavier first.
3: But the front, uh, when you get a good look at him, it's definitely Colonel Sanders. Oh
1: yeah, Yeah, you got the crazy with full on white suit with the flower. The only thing he's missing is is the, the itty bitty goatee in the middle. Maybe this is General Chow. Well, I guess he does kind of have a soul patch, but General, General, chicken? General, General Chow's chicken. General Chow's chicken. Oh maybe. I've never seen General Chow before. I guess it could be. That, that's not what they call him, but, you know. But that's definitely, definitely what it looks like. Anyway, uh, all the others shut up around him, and it basically, it's obviously he's in charge of the situation. And he starts talking to the kid, telling him, well, if you, if you want to... Basically, he tells him, that you need to be part of us, or you can leave. And that's basically it. He's like, I've seen things in you that, that I recognize as being talent. We want to hone your talent. And so at first, the kid's like, I don't need any of your crap. And so he gets up... Then, uh, then, then time, he gets up, he takes a backpack, and goes out, into the, out, out the door in the room. It's the only door in the room. And he goes out, and it leads him into what looks like the back of a restaurant, where they're, like, preparing noodles or whatever.
2: It is General Sal.
1: Well, <laughs> it's <on the> <laughs> Anyway, he walks out, and he gets outside into the street, and the girl from the bike, she stops him, and she starts talking to him about how this is what you want your life to be, and you don't have any other choices in life. And while the old man was talking to him, he basically offered offered him the chance to join their group and become a trained assassin. And he's like, "Murder? Are you kidding? I don't want to be a murderer." And he's like, "Well, you could be you could be one of the great trained assassins. I see the tech skills you have. That we just have to train you." And so basically, he's offered him to become an assassin. And he's like, "That's crazy." And so he leaves. And Now she's outside talking to him, like, "Well, is it any crazier than living on the street like a hobo?"
3: Where you won't last another year.
1: Where you won't last another year? Yeah and she says i've seen you be, do things that are kind that's why the general that's why he wants you i saw you with the hobo in your shoes like he wants you because you have kindness in you and if, for whatever reason like her little bit of talking to him he decides to turn around and come back and we get another flash inside the room with uh, all the other kids and they're like huh, that was a waste of time and he's like we'll give her a chance to talk to him if he doesn't come back then he doesn't come back and then he comes back in and he's like, Well, if you, if you decide to go on this, 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 uh, embark on our journey, there's only a few, there's a few rules. And the rules are, like, most of them make sense, but they're, it, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. And he, he, ba- he basically asks the group who wants to sponsor him. And no one will step, no one will stand up, no one will do it for him. And then, of course, she says that she'll sponsor him. And he says, Well, then his mistakes are your mistakes. And then he opens his back panel on the wall and there's this giant, like, I don't know. This crazy—it's like a crazy giant schoolhouse, like a whole hidden city almost. And he basically tells them that welcome to the what does he say? He says, Thunderdome. Yeah. No, oh man. Martina. <laughs> right. This is her. <laughs> oh. Wow. She didn't age well. No, the years yeah. weren't kind to her. Mm. He tells them well because you have the rage, rage inside you. You don't have to control that, so you may yet survive. The King's Dominion School of Deadly Arts. Which apparently is what the giant campus inside the hidden city is. Yes, and it looks like this giant cave that has a,
0: a full on mansion built inside. Oh yeah, it's
1: definitely and they go getting to it they go down this spiral of stairs. Kinda like uh you remember National Treasure when they went to the, the down the giant case of stairs into the ground of Find the hidden treasure. Don't shake your head, you, you know. Think. I've you never seen it? seen it. You've never seen that movie? No. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know instinctively. <laughs> anyway, they Grand in the climb down... Spiral
2: Staircase. Right, yes. yeah,
1: it's awesome. Anyway, the whole time he's going down, he's giving them the rules, and rule number one uh, was... Uh,
2: Don't talk about Fight Club.
1: No, no, uh, that is rule number one. <laughs> <laughs> the old man's rule number one is no unsanctioned kills. Rule number two is no sex, no drugs, uh, no disobedience. And so I'm like, huh, interesting, because he's got this girl that obviously he's got the hots for, and she's supposed to be his sponsor, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, basically it wraps with him introducing him to the school. And, I don't know, book-wise, it's pretty entertaining. I, I'm, I'm interested to get to the second issue to figure out what his whole deal was. I mean, from reading the previews, we kind of have an idea of what he was into before. But up to this point, they haven't really divulged any of that. So I'm pretty sure he was a drug <coughs> frog mule of some kind at the time. But it's hard to say why the cops were willing to just shoot him, Uh, and if there's something else to it. Because, like, what his dad was, was a a police officer working for the Nicaraguan government. And he he flipped on him for the president, and that's what got him into America. So it makes me wonder if maybe there's ties to his family that that are leading these police officers after him, or these cops after him. Because none of them identify themselves. They basically just come after him wearing suits with guns, and they act very police authoritative. The only one that calls them cops is the guy at the arcade who steps out and opens the door. Mm. So, up to that point, the only other time we see police officers is when they're being chased on the bike. And that could be a totally different situation. So, uh, as far as setup is concerned, it's hard to say, like, why the guy in in the garage is willing to draw down and just kill him without any questions. I don't know. It was was pretty entertaining. Like, I I liked it. As far as you're concerned, um, Remender is awesome. Like, everything else he's written uh, as of late has been great. Um, art style, it's got a a very unique art style. I I think that part of the color scheme is probably moving through the seasons at first, and then we get very black and blue at the end, but, uh, I don't know, I, I I don't know, for first issue, I like it. Uh,
3: I think the colors, the action sequences were a little brighter.
1: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's clear whenever, like, his parent, the parents get killed by the body of the lady.
3: West Greg, uh...
1: The whole thing is, like, red throughout. So it's definitely to show off the, uh, the emphasis at the end of it.
0: I'm interested to see when I when I get a chance to read this one, because I'm, I'm going to be. But um, when I was kind of looking over your shoulder there, the, the guy in the arcade looks an awful lot like Daredevil. Like who? Like Daredevil. Looks like Matt Murdock. He's got the kind of red hair, and he's got the glasses on the whole time, the, the tie and stuff. So I'm sure he's not supposed to be, but he looked an awful lot like him to me. So... That kind of makes
1: me happy. All right, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, give a score.
3: I really liked it. Um, I like the art, the coloring of. The, remember, you can't. These days, he you can't. He can't miss. Um, and right. there's there's a pretty cool uh, prelude to the letters page. That he, that he uh, talks about uh, uh, his younger days growing up. Yeah, uh, some of the things he's been through and seen, and uh, the dude's been, he's seen some things. He's
0: pretty been pretty legit. And r- yeah. Remenker's yeah. done a great job of the street-level stuff and just crime stuff to, all together.
3: So there's a reason for that, I suppose.
1: Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you were talking about the letter column earlier is he talked about having a friend that was shot and running from drug deals. For, and, r-
3: running from a gunfight.
1: Yeah, running from a gunfight, his friend, friend was shot. And like just stuff that he's seen growing up as a kid.
3: Uh, he uh, had a, uh, saw somebody OD on heroin. Uh, saw somebody shot in the head. Uh, he got uh, brutalized. He got uh, brutalized by gangbangers twice. Got the crap kicked out of him.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a pretty busy life. Just in general. He left
3: home when he was sixteen.
1: Right. You know.
3: So yeah, dude's seen some stuff. But I, uh, I really liked it. I got uh, I, I, another four and a half.
1: Right. I like the two. I give it. I give it, a, I give it a three and a half. But it was pretty interesting for a miniseries. I'm. I'm happy to see where it goes. Um. I to have a real score it since I didn't read it at all? I was looking. Were you? Yeah, you but you don't want that? my
2: score anyway. No. Why? It's probably a two. Two.
1: Okay.
2: It just doesn't. It didn't. It's probably. A two. It's
3: because he doesn't want to like it because he's afraid he'll have to buy it. No. You already said that. I huh?
2: know, but. <laughs> Knowing that it's Rick Remender and, and the story, and, and I like the artist, Nice try. I'll give it a two. It's just not the kind of story that I like.
0: What if I arrange to get you some cottage cheese and a celery stick? Will that bump it up?
2: Then I'll be full and still give it a
3: two. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think it's an ongoing, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm not mistaken. No, I it was Minnie.
2: Because she's
5: not It's hard to say. <laughs> I don't remember that. Maybe it could
1: be
2: on Yeah, it's just, it just didn't didn't grab me. Because hmm? I looked through it, too. Right. But it just didn't. you got
3: to read it. No. And the panel the panel layouts are really cool. Yeah, too. that's pretty yeah. good.
1: Like I said, it's really that's what I, cin- say I like the artist. It's very cinematic, like a lot like uh what's the Dead Body Road? Like, the way it moves panel to panel, this one does that too.
3: Just like during the Dream Sequence where yeah. parents died. Man, you died. Got the small panel in the middle of each where you're sleeping. Right. I mean each, you know, kind of taking his it every step of the way.
1: Yeah, the way it moves is very cinematic. Like it's that's just, it's really good. Yeah, that's, that's cool. awesome. A lot of story is so- told by the art. Uh Ross I don't know. I don't know if I have a very good score at all for
0: it. Is, is yours negotiable, three. like Curtis's was? <laughs>
5: yes. Well, <laughs> three
0: things: well, stick Robert and cadis cheese. You're basically reading over my shoulders. So, uh, well, actually, it, it was one of those ones that when I first sent it, I I didn't want anything to do with it. And when I got a chance to kind of look through it before when, when it came out, I was like, oh, I got to get this book. And I just I just didn't get a chance to read it before we were done today. Um, but it sounds really really good. I I'm interested in reading it, I'd give it about, I'd give it a three. It looks like a really good read,
1: so. Cool. Mr. Jay, were you looking at Mike's copy over there? Yes, I was. What do you think, sir?
2: Uh, I'll give it three popsicles and two drinks.
1: Don't let you bring food, Mike. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Don't <laughs> let you bring food, Jay.
2: No, I'd say oh. probably a three and a half. It looks pretty good. I mean, it, it was a pretty good story.
1: For, yeah. Poor Mike. Poor Mike.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no no, food for you either.
2: Hey.
3: We'll learn more as we read on, I suppose. I Damn think. it. I think it'll be as the, the book story
5: progresses. Vicious. I like how it didn't even fit into context it still said it. <laughs> Damn right.
1: <laughs> okay, well let's move on to uh Batman Robin Annual Number no. Two. Which I think everybody read. I think.
5: I read it.
0: Damn it, Mike, I yeah. know you read this
1: book, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> man. <laughs> I I should, you shouldn't
0: have read it over else. This was a great Did issue. Did you read it? Yeah, I liked it. I'm really happy with it.
1: It is fantastic.
0: There, there is parts in it that you can complain about the same thing that people complain about great land for. So Not
3: even close, dude. Uh,
4: <laughs>
3: I mean, I, I'm i not necessarily sticking up for this guy. However, and what reared its ugly head in this previous, this last issue of Mighty Avengers, I'll tell you a- after we're done. Because I can't talk like that on the podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna go with it, sir. But, what uh, it, <laughs> you, you know, know the
1: You already know the answer. I know. <laughs> yep. Rob, go on.
0: I know. I'm sorry <laughs> I brought that up. But um, actually, this is a it's it's a really cool opening. So it's Gotham City several months ago, and we have Nightwing and Damien sitting on top of a building. And they're kind of just having, like, a little lunch break or something, or maybe doing a stakeout. It's kind of hard to say. But uh, they're overlooking the street cars, and they're kind of talking about what it is to be Robin. And, like, uh, Damien, you know, of course, is being all full of himself, and, like, he always thinks that he's the superior everything. So, but Nightwing's, like, kind of telling him about this was the story that I like to tell that um, that shows why Batman needed an uh, a sidekick and like an apprentice, and like so. This is my story for like the first week of me being Robin, and, and even though you know, hmm. even as he's trying to tell it, like Robin's, hmm. like Damien's kind of being like, "Well, you might have started making the Robin position, but I perfected it." So, but we have that at the very beginning, and then it kind of flashes to right now. And we see Batman, or we see Bruce Wayne, actually. And he's up in the ceiling tiles of, I believe, Damian's room. And he's found this uh, little box, and on the box it says the Robin Cave. No bats or no butlers allowed. And he brings it out of the roof, and uh, he and Alfred are kind of, like, not sure what to do with it. And so they called in Nightwing. And, uh... Bruce kind of, well, actually, re- Dick kind of makes a big thing of like, oh, you guys actually waited for me to open it, <laughs> you know? Because mm-hmm. Bruce would normally just rip it open, not thought about it at all. But um,
5: Really quick, mm-hmm. I, I really, really liked this part at the start with uh, Damien and Nightwing because mm-hmm. it reminded me of kind of what I always wanted there to be in the new 52 that never actually ended up happening. The Nightwing and Damien. I think that would have been awesome. We talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah.
1: yeah. Actually, we, I talked to a lot of people about this. Um, Nolan, uh, Mike, you, Ross. There were several other guys we talked to that all kind of thought it would be awesome if they did like a dynamic duo book that would have been Damien and Nightwing because it would have been awesome. Yeah. Not Nightwing as Batman, but Nightwing as Nightwing. That would have been great. But alas, that's not going to happen. So, Well, not yet.
4: Hmm.
3: Well, in his quest to prove that uh, he's he's the best Robin, he usually, he, he for the most part, has always pulled it off. In the past,
1: We well, definitely show Bobby, uh, that's for sure. In a way, yeah. Well yeah, anyway, back to the book. Sorry, but um, well,
0: I I just think it's still happen. I don't. I still think Damon's coming back. We'll see. Either way, so Bruce kind of getting annoyed at Dick because Dick is. Just reveling in this mystery that, that he and Damien shared that Bruce didn't have. And so he decides to tell him about the story. And uh, we're going to get this cool flashback with Batman and Dick Grayson. And we get to once again see the New 52 version of the original Robin costume. Which is pretty cool. I
5: was going to say, it's just not bad, yet. yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sad to not see the original costume anymore, but... So many people couldn't get over ignorance of it. It's kind of nice that they changed it anyways. But it's cool that we're going to see that costume in use. So, But um, he's talking about the first time he gets to go out with Batman and how long the day was. And it was like the second longest day of his life. <laughs> and he's in school, and they just have every piece of dialogue basically like, And then, something, blah, 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 something, blah, blah, and just goes through the whole day, and it's just the only thing that's changing is the class he's in. until it's finally time to go. And he has that big celebration thing where he slides down the banister and everything. And you can kind of see that, like, Alfred is, like, almost unimpressed with anything about it. But um, Alfred winds up taking him home, and... The first thing he does is show up, Bruce his new costume that he wants to take out with him. And it's kinda of ridiculous. It's like his Flying Grayson's shirt which has the very Nightwing like symbol on it, and like this headband with these crazy tassels on the back and gloves with streamers and a sash and it kinda reminded me of like disco Nightwing meets El Gaucho. A little bit, yeah. It, it might have been poking fun a little bit of eighties Nightwing with the big collar and everything but uh yeah Bruce is like no <laughs> now you're gonna use the costume I picked cause I don't wanna draw attention and the sad thing in my mind was like well Blue would've been a lot less
1: attention than it's the it's the frilly streamers and the the crazy headband man yeah Like guy the sash yeah
0: well he definitely was setting himself up to be more show buddy and that's right. not what Badge wants he doesn't wanna be show buddy he wants to do what he does and get out of there no pizzazz allowed Yes. Because right. uh, you can kind of see that Batman's already got some disdain for other crime fighters. Because he thinks that they're kind of like glory hounds. Right. Where he's all about the business, the mission. Don't get in the way of the mission with your streamers. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically like gives him a timeline. You're going to get done. You're going to get dressed in this much time, and we're going to go. And he's telling him as he goes, I'm like you're going to do this. You're going to stay a hundred paces away, and you're going to watch, and you're only going to do what I tell you to do, and... Basically, Robin's like, you know, this is worthless. Like, why am I even here? All I'm doing is sitting here watching Batman. And Batman's, like, taking this whole gang of drug lords out with machine guns and stuff, and he's sitting on a, top of a crate somewhere.
5: Oh, uh, I just think it's kind of important. It, it was important for me, at least. Because so I always kind of wondered how old Dick was when he was Robin. Hmm. And it says in here that he's 16, so he's actually already, like,.
0: Yeah, he's he's, a, an adult, like he's, he's so. quite a bit older than he was in the original telling, mm. and it's always tricky. Like I, in comics, I, I never like them putting a, an actual age to characters because sometimes, of course, it's hard to draw them out that you way. Can't
5: age them, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, you don't you don't want to do much aging with them, anyways, because. As much as everybody wants to be like, oh, you're a Batman, should be like 70. Nobody wants to see Batman as 70, and if you do, you're an idiot. So, uh, I, don't I did that.
5: I did like, though, that you have an age that way you can kind of see how the Robin timeline fits
0: in. This you is know. true. You, you do get a little bit of that. So, But um, as Robin's kind of watching this and just being ticked off that he doesn't get to do anything, one of, the, uh, one of the thugs managed to get away from Batman, and it seems like he doesn't see where he goes. And so Robin, like, sneaks around, and the guy has phoned his boss, who's a character called the Tusk, and is basically saying, like, oh, yeah, he's he's bit your, you know, these uh, these fake capers, so we totally had him where we want him to be, and he's just alone, and like, so he's giving information to the Tusk about how Batman operates, and, um... It makes it sound like Batman's been tricked into being there. And he might have been by by the Tusk or at least that's what this thug thinks Right. and so Robin takes him out and uh, Batman finishes the last of the gang and like uh, Robin has dragged the guy over and he's like hey missed one and he's like all standing all cool style <laughs> like pointing at the guy and of course as any time that anybody does something that Batman doesn't like he just totally flies kind of into a rage and like you're fired is always the answer. I'm pretty much get in the car. You're done. I can't believe you can't listen to my rules. And so he basically demands that Robin goes back with him, and Dick's kind of thinking, well, oh, you'll you'll turn around, you'll realize that this was a mistake. And he kind of pulls the ultimatum on him that, like, well, you know, if I don't get to keep being Robin, you're not gonna know what this guy had to say. And Batman was just like, I'm done. I'm not gonna hear it. Get the heck out of the car. You're finished. He tells him he's fired. hmm And then he speeds off for the rest of the night. Right. And so from there, um, we kind of see, like, the next day, and it's... Dick's getting ready for school, and he's kind of like, well, do you think he's going to... think he's going to change his mind? And Alfred's like, yeah, I don't really know... I, I, don't, I don't remember any time that Bruce has ever really changed his mind on anything. So we're not
1: going to talk about this anymore. Yeah.
0: And so, uh... Dick winds up going to school and he says that this was his longest day of his life. And it's the same school day. It's the same thing. Just blah, 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 blah. Until he's done. And uh, so Bruce is heading out for the night. And he's already changed into his Robin gear. And he comes down the stairs and he's basically like, you know, I understand why you wanted to do this now. And I totally get it. And here's what the goons said. Like they're going to hit this bank. So let me come with you, and we'll go take care of it. And Bruce is pretty much like, no, you're staying here, you're done. And so he goes and gets in the car. And Robin goes to his room, and he's kind of just sulking for a little bit. And then uh, he decides to take off on his own. What we find out is that he didn't give him all the information. He told him the cover spot that this Tusk character was going to hit. And so he was going to go to the real crime show. That way he could prove to Batman, you know, that he was valuable and he needed to be there. And so he goes and takes him on solo. And he's actually dealing with all the thugs pretty well. Until he gets waylied by this gigantic hand that eventually we see belongs to, like, a mutant elephant man. Com- so freaking crazy. Complete with, like, crazy tusks and hillbilly teeth.
1: Oh, yeah. Dressed like a 70s pimp freaking awesome time to pick on somebody my size
0: and so from there he and robin kind of wind up having a, a little bit of a scuffle it's pretty much that well i think he just got waylaid by him and as he's uh as he's kind of shaking down robin and telling him you know if you're the best that gotham's got you better not ever think about coming to <laughs> chicago because he'll never be able to stand up to what we have which is funny because I kind of like this idea as well, because there's there's a lot of people who kind of come to that conclusion that, oh, Batman made his own villains. Well, this kind of shows that some of these supervillains were already out there. They were already doing things. So if Chicago already had its own super criminals, it kind of shows that Batman wasn't the catalyst for all of this.
1: Right. We well, had yeah, Nightwing where he went going to in our present books yeah. in Chicago.
0: It kind of gives another connection, because we've already seen Jim left Chicago to come to Gotham. Right. And so now we got Nightwing going back there, so... Chicago's got its own deals. But, um... As he's trying to shake down Robin, we see, uh... one of Batman's, um... grappling lines kind of wrap around his head. And he pulls him around out of, out of the scene. And so he and Batman kind of start tussling. And, uh... Actually, the, uh the tusk managed to get uh, get one over on, on batman he's he was stronger than he thought he was and so he managed to huck him against the side of a a lamppost and then comes after him and continues to fight him and batman starts to kind of gain some uh some leverage on him and so tusk tells him tells his goons to shoot robin and that kind of causes batman to lose focus and he goes after him and uh managed to get knocked out by the uh by the Tusk and so when they come uh, from there actually I guess it's also uh, what Robin Robin's being pulled around and they load him into into a helicopter and uh, the Tusk is basically talking all kinds of junk about how he's gonna throw him out of the helicopter watch him fall to their death and he grabs Robin. And he's about to throw him out there, and Robin manages to whirl around and kick him in the eye. And from there, and you know, the guy's making this big deal about how, oh, you must be so afraid, you must be so afraid, because you're up here so high and you can't fly, and blah blah blah. And so Robin like runs out of the side of the helicopter, and jumping in midair, manages to get his his uh, handcuffed hands underneath his feet, doing this little flip, catch onto the bottom of the helicopter spin around and coming through the other side and kick the tusk so hard that he actually sends him flying out the other side of the, ele- the helicopter, along with breaking off his tusk, which sends him falling into the bay. That part was so
5: cool, because it reminded me that he's a uh, acrobat. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see any of the other Robins do that, probably.
0: <laughs> probably not, but, you know, th- that was the big thing, like, when he was talking to him, it was funny to me, because, like... Here he is, like, oh, you must be so afraid, you must be so afraid. And it's like, this is the one guy that probably isn't afraid of any of that stuff. Because yeah. he's all about being up in the high wire and working without nets and doing these risky, crazy things.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, from there, he manages to take out the rest of uh, the guys on the plane. And he actually pulls the gun on the pilot and tells him, you know, to take it back to land. And from there, like, Batman finally gets his consciousness and he breaks the bands and he basically is like well I'll forgive you for this one thing and I think what he's saying is he's forgiving Robin for pulling the gun on the guy because that's one of the things that Bats kind of doesn't do. doesn't deal with mm-hmm. but um, Batman finds the, the tusk and gives it to Robin and then orders the guy out of the helicopter control pilot uh, control suit and then takes over flying the helicopter um, from there we kind of Fast forward as the Tusk makes it kind of his big thing to come to Gotham and always try to challenge Robin. And Robin's kind of whole gimmick with him, and it seems like he was always trying to take his other Tusk. And um, we see him several times locked up in Arkham Asylum in the same prisons that they keep uh, Killer Croc and some of the others. And he's just kind of talking about how he kind of just lost track of him. And he just kind of faded away. And so he never knew what happened to him, whether he quit or he retired or what, ha- where he went. And so the last part of the story is back in the present, and Dick opens the box, and inside is the other tusk. And uh, there's a note on it from Damien. Hail, Robin. Got him. Let me know if you need any more of my help taking down your bad guys, Damien. And they all kind of share like a last moment of Damien. Like, Here's Damien. there's you know the things that he could do. And then the kind of the last final panel is actually all three of them together, kind of swinging through the city. Which is cool. Yeah. Makes the only thing I wonder now is what happened to Tusk for Damien to get the Tusk.
5: Yeah, like how no one questioned that, and it was like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah, funny. Likes, go up a
5: little bit further in the ceiling, and his head is just sitting <laughs>
0: there. Yeah, that's kind what I wonder, is, like, did he did he kill him to get the tusk? Probably. Did he fight him in some nursing home somewhere and bust <laughs> it out? I mean, who knows? Like, Damien has no scruples, and that's exactly what it is. Nobody questions it. They all kind of are like, ha-ha, what a funny story. But, like, if he stopped coming, mm-hmm. who knows what the tusk steal was. So.
1: Well, yeah, it's like that canned laughter, and then the credits roll. Crazy. Yeah, this in general is a good issue though. It's funny.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think that that's the thing we're supposed to think about but it was the same thing I thought about right when I got yeah. done with it. It's was like, well, what happened to the Tusk? Did, did Damien kill him? Right. <laughs> like, like is he hunting down these guys? I mean? just kind of
5: assumed that, that was probably what happened and everyone just tried to not think about it probably at the mm, end.
0: Right. But either way.
1: Alright, uh, Curtis score?
2: Probably three and a half.
1: It's a better score than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Ross?
2: I'd give it a four.
1: All
0: right. Rob? I really enjoyed it. I, I was really happy with this one, so I'd give it a four as well. I the only character that wasn't in here that would have made it better was Jason. So I was really happy to see these guys all together, so Mr. J? I I would probably give it a three and a half. Yeah. Mike?
3: I'd give it a four. I mean the previous Batman and Robin Annual was Really, really cool with the right. Damien and and Bruce's relationship and this one follows suit with yeah, it, his Grayson, and, and yeah, Grayson's right. it, solid art's a little suspect here and there, but yeah. yeah. The story it's
0: poor. hello he- he gets the lead on drawing the tusk and tusk looks fantastic. Now this uh, is uh you've,
5: I've never seen this character. I haven't. Nah, yeah, I think it's a pretty much a new one.
0: It's you know, I mean he could have been dredged up from the old archives of Batman.
3: He's, it's, he's a cool
2: character.
0: It's really hard to say, but yeah, I I think he's a one one and done guy for, for the new fifty
1: two. So is
2: this the guy that Kevin Smith's new movie is gonna be about?
1: That's about a walrus. Oh, my bad. And men love a walrus. Oh, oh, oh. It's wrong that it exists i thought he was done making movies that's what he keeps saying. that was wishful thinking i thought he said i'm sorry that was before the finished. walrus <laughs> you don't understand a man's love for a walrus rob that was before I his don't... love for a walrus
0: yeah I, I guess you're right i don't understand it although the first thing that came to my mind is like oh that's kind of like that story that's connected to alice in wonderland with the, the man and the walrus and... no no it's not no, no.
1: okay that's um, thinking too much? That's it's, too much thought.
0: It's well. just a man and a walrus stop. and yeah. the stuff that happens it's in SeaWorld that we shouldn't know about? Probably.
1: <laughs> 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 Let me square this book real quick, and I'll give you a little more about Tusk, I guess. Oh, I,
0: no, you don't need to. <sighs> that's fine. Let's not do that.
1: So I, I'll give it a four also. It's great. It's good to see another little story about Damien. And it was pretty cool. I, I would have liked to see the other two Robins show up in it. But, as far as stories are concerned, these are the three that really matter together. I mean, Jason was never really part of the picture with Damien, and Tim really wasn't either. So, group-wise, I mean, they're the only three that really fit and make sense to fit. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'd give it a four also. Great, great issue. Um, Really cool story. Anyway, so, Tusk. Um, So, apparently there's a man who's lost at sea, went up living on, like, an iceberg for, I don't know, X number of time. And then, once he was rescued, he hired a man to dress in a walrus costume... Because he missed his only friend on the ice island that was a walrus, and then Kevin Smith decided to make a movie about it.
3: Oh, That'll so, do. That'll do. So the first That'll part do.
0: was based on a real person.
1: Yes. Yes. He doesn't write anything original, Rob. You don't you know that? I know you do. I know you do. That's that's a strange
0: that's a strange situation.
1: Why? Right?
0: right? Why? Yeah, I. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ah, anyway, what's to watch for, Mike? Go!
3: Uh, gotta be watching for Lobster, F. and Johnson. Right. Get the Lobster, it's coming up. Uh, uh Iron Fist book. right uh, looks...
1: Right, new Iron Fist book from from Marvel? Yeah, looks good.
3: And then, uh, well, we'll see what happens when Peter Parker comes back, I suppose.
1: Well... I I'm not quite
3: ready, but it is what it
2: is. Right, right. Kurt? Well, I can't see the shadow anymore. So let's say, what should I say? Black Science. Or... Black Science. I was looking forward to, uh, I wasn't yeah. looking forward to, initially to Magnus Robot Fighter, but it's slowly winning me over, so I'm kind of looking forward to that.
1: He's wearing pants this
2: time. I, but that doesn't have anything to do with it.
1: <laughs> pants are cool. It helps and makes me more okay with it. But it just looks, <laughs> he just looks
2: so much better. So yeah, much better. pretty great on it. What else? Oh, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, Flash Gordon, too. I, yeah. Okay. Support these books, people. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I don't swing that way, sir.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but all right. I, yeah, yeah, I don't either. Mr. right. <laughs> Mr. Ross? Uh, Jeff Parker's
5: Aquaman has been really good so far, so keep up on that. And, uh shocker there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right?
2: You know what else Jeff Parker's writing?
5: Batman 66. Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah, I did actually know that, too. There you go. So that'll probably be good, too. But, uh, the new crazy dark crossover thing that we saw in the back of books.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, Batman, Batman Eternal's coming. Yeah, by Swamp Thing. Batman. All right. Batman, Batman Eternal coming up, yeah. Uh, Mr. J?
0: Uh, either the X, new X-Factor that came out or... The
5: Gene Gray series, that's going to be... The
1: cross, crossover. Yeah, the crossover, the trial. The trial Gene Gray. Well, the argument that, that has it like, so far, and like, yeah, it's, it's been good. I mean, we're going to have to first, first step up the door, but it's pretty, yeah. it's been, it looks pretty good.
4: Well, aren't
3: you uh, interested to see how Spurrier dude writes X-Force, the merging of the teams?
2: I don't think he does X-Force. Do you do X-Force? No. No.
1: Yeah, these words. Jay, I like
5: how I head. like how he thought about it for a minute. I had to those. think about it's it.
2: I mean, it's been probably been a while. I think that's the only one I don't get. Like, oh, X-Face. the Xbox X Factor is going to be it's real good.
1: So I'm with you on that
2: one.
1: Good stuff. Um, let's see. So what we Undertow looks like it'll be pretty good. Yes, I'm pretty. I'm pretty into that idea. Sovereign. I sovereign. Think, oh yeah, Sovereign. I think that looks good. It does. It looks pretty cool too. Um, half a danger, like we're about. At least number three is getting ready to come out. It's been pre- it's been a pretty good book. Half past danger? Not half past danger. Sorry, Dead Body Road. Okay. I said Dead Body <laughs> Road, but that's not what I said.
3: Oh, and I think we have an issue, uh, another issue of Wild Blue Yonder coming up here pretty quick. We do
1: number four, number four. Finally. Yeah. It's, it's probably in a book. couple months. Yeah, next yeah. week, I think. Hopefully, next, couple Pro- weeks. Probably in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> we expect it sooner than that. June, yeah.
2: And it's been four, three issues since June. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so... Um,
0: yeah, that's crazy. Rob, books to watch for? It, it is a lot of work when you're doing it all, though. So. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, Iron Fist, Moon Knight, um, finally going to get Inhumans with Matt Arrera doing the work, so that'll be fantastic. Um, there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming out of DC as well, so Aquaman and the others if somebody hasn't already said that. way mm-hmm. forward wait for it too. First, I know. Seems slacking. Like <laughs> oh, plus it looks like we might see Wally West in DC, so that'll be really. Cool that's what it's looking, yeah.
3: Flash Annual number three.
0: That's what it looks like. So,
3: it's a Flash Annual three.
1: People watching that one. All right, we guess that's it, guys. Ta ki.
4: Right. Uh, not this time. Sorry. <laughs>
5: I t- thought Curtis was
4: t- seriously. T- t- well, you're not doing it
2: for a second. You're not doing it. <laughs> I did. He did. Okay. He tekeed. You just got to go, tekeed.
4: Mike. Mike.
2: You got anything left, man. Mikey.
3: That'll be enough of that.